I really hope that got picked up. I mean, I heard it. Good. So it must have been picked up. Thank you. It's not what you think it is. It's just cherry Coke. Oh, that's a shame. I know. I know. If I had alcohol, I would sleep through the episode. (laughs) Meanwhile, it would lull me to sleep. And I've got rye whiskey. I mean, I could throw this in some bourbon. (laughs) <laughs> but I've no. Ooh, I like, by the way, cherry that it's... coke bourbon. Uh, let's. Wait. No, we need to roll back the tape for a second. You just said I need to throw the coke into the bourbon, implying <laughs> that the bourbon is the larger portion of the two, well, and that the coke yeah. is just there for some flavor. <laughs> yes, that's that is the obvious choice. How okay. would you drink it any other way, Zach? Just, just wanted to be clear. That that's where we're at. Anyway. Yeah, the, the Coke is clearly for a little splash of flavoring. It's like when you have a mimosa and really you just need some orange juice to color the champagne a little bit. Yeah. yeah. You get it. You're a bartender. You get it. You get it. Uh, um, now, if only I were a bartender at an Alamo Draft House where we could drink oh, and then go see a movie. That'd be incredible. I would. I would oh. Speaking of movies. This is the Sam Report Jr., everybody. <laughs> a podcast you should be listening to, subscribe to, and downloading every single week. I am one of your hosts, Dale Decker. And I'm the other one of your hosts, Zach Sarowick. And, and I gave um, you a segue before we introduced the show. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it, it actually worked. It worked. Because now, resume segue. Movies are fun, huh? I got it's like I, a segue I, in a segue. I finally discovered how my free passes at work move at, at work. Oh, wait, but, move? But, but, yeah. I almost said move, and then I was like, no, that's not the word I want. It's because I was about to say work, work work twice in a row. Yeah. And my brain was like, don't do that. You have to say another word right now. Well, and move was the first thing that came into my brain. Well, the thing is, is that somehow you knew that if you said work work. I would go into work, 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 work. And there it is, everybody. (laughs) That's in my head now for the rest of the day. End of podcast. End of end of podcast. Um, no. So I was at like I was at work the other day, and finally we were trying to figure out. You know, we had we have just come from a movie ourselves, and I was trying to figure out if there was any way to get free passes to them because why not. And so I finally asked at work, hey, how does that, how do I do that? And my manager looked at me and was like, you just you print them out from the register you use every day. You just type your name in the search thing and it'll come up. I just do it. And then you just print them and then they're theirs and they're yours. It's like, oh, oh, I could have been doing that for months. <laughs> <laughs> do they expire? Like, do you, I believe you like, have to use them within the week they, or? I think they, I think they last a couple of weeks actually. So I can only oh, print wow. two a week. But I think I can build them up a little bit. Well, that's I'm not really sure. That's interesting. I'm gonna figure that one out. Yeah. But but yeah. So I took that and I went and I saw Crawl because <laughs> that was a movie I'd been meaning to see. And I was like, you know what? I have literally no reason not to do it yeah. now. I'm. I want. And see I was <laughs> thoroughly impressed at Crawl. I was like, okay, the, Crawl is a movie that I knew from a poster. I yeah. never saw a trailer. I never saw any marketing on it whatsoever. I didn't know Barry Pepper was in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Let alone, like, literally, like, second lead. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, I come in. This was like, you know what? I see a poster. I saw a lot of people on Twitter be like, ooh, Crawl's pretty good. And I saw a poster for it. And I went, you know what? 
good enough for me, <laughs> especially if it's not going to cost me any money. Exactly. That was one of the best, like, man versus nature horror films I have seen in a long time. That makes me very happy. It's just so, it's so tense, and oh. the gators look good. Yeah. And it's just, like, and it's very clear that, like, they didn't, like, overextend their budget anywhere. They didn't, like, underuse their budget anywhere. It's, like, very perfect. Yeah. Plus, I got to see five trailers, which I haven't been to a movie where I saw five trailers <laughs> In forever because even when i go and see like saw lion king opening weekend like like the friday of its opening weekend yeah. saw once upon a time in hollywood the thursday night like late show into its opening weekend and when that happens like... <laughs> sometimes they just get squeezed in with yeah, like yeah. three trailers and then there's your movie because exactly, they weren't yeah. like planning on it yeah i like that you very slyly slid in what other movies we we're going to talk about this episode yep. <laughs> Um, it's like a, I'm foreshadowing, <laughs> uh, but like, so, so it's very weird. Like once upon a time in, in Hollywood, I saw a Charlie's angels trailer with that, mm -hmm. which is not something I would have expected them to slot in with that. Yep. I would expect like higher end Oscar stuff, not just, Oh, this is the thing that's playing with everything. Um, but with, um, crawl with crawl, I got to see like on a big screen. Cause also like, I am not someone that that cares about seeing trailers like on a computer versus in a theater. Yeah. I think obviously trailers are made for a theater. It's a great environment to see them, but I, I've never had a problem with it. I know like Devin refuses to ever watch trailers unless I they're don't. in the theater. I, I, you don't either? Yeah, I know. I don't. I try my hardest not to. Yeah. Like the only time I'll watch a trailer is if I can't skip it before a YouTube video. <laughs> and, it, and even then I don't pay attention because it, so many movies have gotten ruined for both Devin and I mm. um, because of trailers. And so the the only way I like to, just like Devin, is if I am forced to in a theater environment. And just like you said, they are built for a theater screen. So to get you more hyped. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And and like it was so interesting to see like what I saw with the with crawl, crawl also being in like its third week still playing like six and seven shows a day because I love the studio system for horror movies uh Stuber is down to one one yeah which one show a day be. which it yes. should be <laughs> yes which is down to one show a day <laughs> it came out the same weekend uh -huh. crawl is still playing six and seven times a day and at least a dozen people are in that theater I saw that movie with like a dozen people yeah. on a Sunday afternoon before I went to work for the night yeah that makes me real happy because <laughs> it is one that I still want like I've talked about how I'm not a big horror person. I'm getting into horror, like, m the more, um, I guess, slasher horror I, mm -hmm. films, right? I'm getting more into that. But I have constantly been a huge fan of nature horror and of sea horror. Like, there was a joke in school um, w about me, like, in like it was a collective film, you know, film department joke of me and sea horror because it's just it's so much fun and fascinating to me so i want to see crawl so badly <laughs> <laughs> that uh i almost saw it with stuber we almost did a double feature stuber and that I actually and... almost did that that weekend it came out. I almost went and yeah. saw those movies the weekend it came out. And if I had gotten, if 
honestly, if I hadn't already heard Devin talk about Stuber, I probably would have done that yeah. another day when I put those two free passes and just gone to see both of those. Yeah. But you but, saved um, your time not seeing Stuber. Yeah, that's what I've been hearing. Yeah. So, so I was excited to like sit down. I saw, I love the, the trailer for 21 Bridges. I oh. love because I love Chad. I, like I'll watch it. I, I might go see that with another free pass. Mm. I probably would spend money on it, but Chadwick Boseman I'll see it but I laugh every time the splash screen comes up that says produced by Anthony and Joe Russo of Endgame (laughs) because the fact that they're selling that game that movie on the fact that the Russo brothers produced it and it's got Black Panther in it (laughs) I don't know if I've seen it with that in it It, yeah I don't know if I've seen the trailer yet I want to see that movie so bad it's so I mean it's it's total cop porn and yes. like I'm um, a person who has what a comp like because of the way I mean like like that is a movie in which like two people kill cops and they decide they're going to shut down the island of Manhattan to hunt them down after they killed cops in like a fucking burglary. Like I mean that's like totally like over the top. It's so over the top mm. on the idea that they would shut down New York for that, but yeah. And as someone who like increasingly in my own life has a complicated relationship with cop. Not that I'm being arrested every day, but just like I, you know, probably surprised not a lot of people that I have a lot of progressive feelings on things. Um, not to get like super political, but cops you? are complicated. Yes, <laughs> cops are complicated. So I don't watch like I like it's been a long time since I've sat down and watched like a cop show like Bones is the closest I've come to sitting down and watching a cop show in a long time. Um, So but I'll go see. I don't care. I'll shut my brain off and go watch 21 Bridges to watch Chadwick Boseman act for two hours. Sure. Um, And then got to see finally got to see the trailer for Ready or Not on a a big screen. (laughs) Did you finally get to see that trailer? I'm so excited for that I, movie. I can't believe how how excited I am. Because <laughs> I finally saw a trailer, I think before, I think it was before uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I was just sitting there and I'm like, yep, Zach is I, fucking right. It's like, I just so, need to see this movie. It's so dumb and oh. funny looking to me it's... and i just like i mean adam like the fact that adam brody just like keeps appearing and stuff mm-hmm. i love that adam brody is not a huge star but has not disappeared either yeah. i like exactly where adam brody is in his in his in his career his career, career where, where he can be in like scream four and he can be in ready or not and he can be in shazam like just let him just keep popping up in these character <laughs> exactly. things like let him just keep being <laughs> oh my god yeah, no, like Dev. I think it was, I think it was the first time Devin had seen it too, and we both were just like, "This is a movie that is like made for us." <laughs> like it is so, and and I think it's um nope that was something that was a poster. There was a poster I saw that made me really excited because it had it's... the Purge people like in association with the Purge. Oh yeah, yeah, because like it's the producers it's, of it or something. It's and called it's, the Hunt. It's... Yes, that's another trailer I saw. You saw the trailer? Was, yes, I had didn't even know this movie existed. Nope. And then the hunt that that trailer starts, and I was like, "This looks also good." I like, saw like like directly in my like B level mm. range of of perfectness. Yeah. I want to see this movie. <laughs> I saw I saw the poster at the movie theater for when we saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I well I saw I saw my birthday. 
on the poster and I was like, "Ooh, birthday movie for Dale." And then I looked up and saw it was I took a picture of it cuz I'm like, I cannot forget about this because <laughs> this just looks based on this very minimalist poster like I want to see it. So oh, man. I'm happy you got to see a trailer yes. cuz so I get to see that trailer. Soon I'll get to see one. Because cuz I love the fact that it just like it started it's been a long time since I've sat down. I mean, I, I, and, and watched a trailer for a movie where I didn't know what the movie was. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing that gets that gets taken away every time I watch a trailer online. Is obviously I know what trailer I'm watching, mm-hmm. and the fact that this this like trailer just started and I was like, oh, what this is. Let's see where this goes. I haven't felt that in so long. Yeah. See, <laughs> that's that's a constant oh. feeling for me, and it's wonderful. <laughs> and then and then even they they played the Terminator Dark Fate trailer, a trailer that I knew has been out there. I haven't bothered to go see because I like I know I'm gonna go see that movie. So I was like, I don't really need to see this. I, I mean I, I, I know it and I've seen different screenshots from it, but I've never actually sat and watched that two minutes. And the first thing that I went in my head is fucking Ghost Rider is in this movie. <laughs> Ghost Rider from Agents of Shield is in this movie. <laughs> Oh my god! I saw. Look, I, saw I was that already too. excited by Sarah Connor coming back, yeah. but you're gonna tell me that Ghost Rider is in this movie? <laughs> I saw that trailer too, and I was like, "Oh my god!" That might have been before Stuber. I don't remember what that one was for before, but I was just like, "Yep, this is getting seen. This needs to get seen." <laughs> Terminator is a franchise blows my mind oh. because it is. Two, it is like if you gave that same movie a fifth of its budget, it's suddenly like a cult classic B movie franchise. Yeah. Not just because like like in the same way that Texas Chainsaw has become the cult hit it is and yet has like three or four different continuities between all of its films at this point. Mm. The, the Terminator franchise as a like continuity error just blows my mind that it still gets to be like also a 400 million dollar a piece movie (laughs) of like oh yeah no we're putting all of our money in this ignore like the last five movies (laughs) i've only really ever seen the first one and the end of the second one and and like genesis i can't even i i saw it in theaters when it came out and Mm -hmm. i saw it once I'm pretty certain it also erases Terminator 2. I like I'm really? pretty certain it comes Jeez. right uh, comes up just as cuz if I remember Genesis is Kyle Reese is actually the main character again. Goes back. Okay. I remember I know Amelia Clark is Sarah Connor and it's before John is born. So definitely No, it's not even Kyle <sighs> It must be – yeah, it is Kyle Reese. This is the thing that I can't remember because, like, I can't remember if she remembers who Kyle Reese is, who she met in the first movie. Yeah. So, obviously, she'd know who he is if he came back, but John isn't born yet, which means that that must have happened, like, literally right before – like, while she's pregnant with John Connor. <laughs> it, like, that's the only way that movie makes any sense. And, like, um, I, my own brain is already still trying to yeah. remember how that works. Yeah. So, like, and that was a movie that was, like, forget the last three movies because they were bad. And then now Dark Fate comes out. I was like, no, that last one was all so bad. Forget that one, too. Just, like, <laughs> roll it all back to T2. Remember the thumbs up at the end of T2? And then just go from there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, God. 
So I'm so excited. Like I'm excited to go sit down and watch that now because like I just want to watch it and let my brain melt trying yep. to figure out what the hell is going on. Yep. I I need. Uh, I want to watch them again. So that was like all in all. Like that was just like a good day to sit down and watch a movie. Yeah, I hear you. It sounds it. I was it just like incredible. I was. It was just like this whole reminder of like because especially since I've moved back to Rhode Island, I haven't gone back to movies as often like there was this time when i was back in in the southwest where i had access to an alamo draft house where i would make a day of driving that three hours there and three mm-hmm. hours back and make a whole thing out of it and i just haven't done that since i've been out here yeah and now all of a sudden i can do it for free <laughs> <laughs> i spent six dollars on a beer while i watched while oh. i watched alligators just ripping through people oh, oh it's fantastic incredible Oh. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta get, I gotta get to see that one. With, I'm trying. Hmm. I'll talk to you off air about a possible. This is like a possible spoiler, but also a thing that, like, if it happens in a movie, it tends to make people not want to see it. Okay. So, like, I want to be like, don't worry about that because it doesn't happen. Okay. Uh, I told Devin about it earlier too, and he was like, "Oh, thanks for spoiling. I saw it in the trailer." I was like, don't. It's not a spoiler. It's a thing so that your mind is at ease. Well, because that's the thing that it's the thing that probably made me the most have a heart attack through the whole movie. Okay. Because I was too worried about this thing. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, so that was funny because that's like, oh well, up until today, that was like the last movie I saw. I started yeah. at the end of this story, but uh, also. Well, hold how on. was Stuber? Okay, okay, good. I was like, I should talk I just, about the movie. I was movie. about to jump back, and then I was like, you know what? I've we been sh- talking a lot. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> I was just like, we should wait before we talk about the three movies like, both of us have seen. Yes. Stuber. Two of which we're going to talk about a lot, I think. Uh, but anyway, sorry, I Stuber. what two. No, I think I know what two. Anyways, <laughs> um, Stuber. It's just bad. <laughs> but I've heard it sucks. It's- because Kamel deserves better. I mean, David Bautista also deserves better. Yeah. But he exists in a realm where, like, he can be in both Marvel movies and, like, straight-to-video action films yeah. and probably be right at home. So I have no – he's got it's my just... spy coming out. He's fine. It... My concern is that is that Kamel Najiati also got this. Yeah. It's just – I don't know. I was really excited for it because the trailers looked legitimate. they looked legitimately funny. And I've always thought of like, oh my god, what if a Uber driver got caught up in some crazy shit that they had to deal with? So I was like, cool, okay, an idea I've thought of, coming to light on screen, let with with Dave Bautista, who I freaking love, like, let's see what happens. It's it, and it's, then it all right. the funny bits are in the trailer, and it they're was, not even that funny during the movie. Yeah, it was just it was as a as a concept like I had not seen I don't think I ever saw a full trailer for it. I, again, one of those things where like I would see clips and things as I was like scrolling through other things and all this stuff. So like I ended up like it was a long time before I know Seijin went up until the episode of Sea Report where they talked about it not knowing that's what Stuber represented. Yeah. But like I remember the day I discovered what Stuber was and it's like Okay, and like that was like the most that was like the most I had known about that movie. I but think like, it's so funny that it, <laughs> I think Sejin thought it was the name of the rideshare 
or someone. You just thought it was the name of the rideshare. Yeah. I just thought it was the name of one of the characters. Yeah, I don't. And it see... never. And then the second that they were like, "Oh no, his name is Stu, and he's an Uber driver," <laughs> I went, "Are you fucking kidding me?" That like blows <laughs> my mind because like I saw that movie and I was like, "All right, cool." It's a portmanteau of Stu I just, and my Uber. Brain, my brain <laughs> never made that connection. I don't think about Uber often enough for my <laughs> brain to make that connection. That's incredible. No, it just, it was a very, um, it, it didn't know what it wanted to be. Cause it was very inconsistent. And I know Devin went into it, so I won't, I won't go too far down it, down the rabbit hole with it. Cause I, I just can't think of it about it that much. But there was a lot of times where it's like you're you're trying to be heartfelt, but you're you're like getting there, but you're not. You're just under it. You can't go it's, get. You can't get there, and it's and it's sad. And then you're trying to be an action movie, which like you have pretty good action sequences, but they kind of get ruined with the stupid jokes that you're trying to pull, and it's just you don't let. It, it never let you breathe. It felt it. It was just. It's a, it was just a constant like, what are you doing? It's Think. interesting be, because the way that Devin described it, and the way that like I was thinking about it, is it's just like it's. It sounds like what they had was a David Bautista film, and then realized, and then for some reason, someone went. But we need like more. for some reason, didn't think he was marketable enough. Mm. And so for some reason, they named the movie after Kumail Nanjiani's character. Yeah. Like, and, like he's made supposed him, to be the focal made point. him the marketable one in yeah. that, and which he's... I guess like, I mean, credit to Kumail Nanjiani that he's the one that they wanted to market for that. Like you're going to be we have this buddy cop movie, but really we think that Kumail's the one that's really going to get people in. Yeah, and but it's... like it doesn't sound like he was really the main focus of that movie. No, and, and <laughs> even have him. He's like a side even... focus, and he's a jackass. So you don't really care about it. <laughs> it's kind of like if you named Forty Eight Hours after Nick Nolte's character. Yeah. Despite the fact that it's mainly an Eddie Murphy movie. <laughs> yeah, it's because the heart of. Stuber is that it is a cop who lost his the spoilers really kind of it's not in the trailer but it's a spoiler I don't care it's a bad movie and I'm gonna spoil it no so it's a cop loses his partner in battle in in a in a you know his cop his his partner gets killed and he has to deal with the fact that you know the reason why he he has really bad eyesight. Again, Devin might have explained all this. He he did, and it's still yeah. weird to me every time I think about this as like a weird part of this movie. Yeah, I mean, like it make would have been such a good. It didn't focus on it. It focused on it a little bit, but it 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 felt like it got forgotten a lot. And I know, and I like Devin's big thing is that it sometimes he would be able to see, and sometimes he couldn't. Like it was only. It was only convenient. It was only used as a convenience for him not to be able to see. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it's it, just like that. Yeah, you guys, you guys missed that. 
it, it sounds bad. like there was a lot of there was a lot of lack of faith in this movie yeah. in a lot of yeah. ways, like lack of faith in Dave Bautista. So we have to bank on Camille Nanjiani because we need people to know it's a comedy. So we need to bank on our comedian. Yeah. And then it's like, despite the fact that Dave Bautista is fucking hilarious I mean, in Guardians, fucking, yeah. he can do comedy if he's directed to be funny. Anyway, and honestly, and then, he's a good. You haven't seen Hotel Artemis, but he's freak, he's fantastic in that movie. And he's not Drax. Like that's the good thing about it. It's not that it's not that, that he's funny doing one thing. Yeah, he's funny. He has here. range. Yes. And it's like they just didn't want to use that. Yeah. And, and then like sucks. and then like they had this lack of faith and like it kinda sounds like they you could write that story without the partner dying. Where it's just that he's got a bad eyesight, he refuses to get his eye to do anything about it, and people don't want to work with him. So while working alone, he just like commandeers an uber to do the thing and then you can do that without or you do it as the partner died and he's too stubborn to work with other people so he commandeers the uber guy instead because he doesn't want to admit that he needs someone there so he pays someone to be his friend basically well i think you do one or the other i I think having the partner die that's a good in in this kind of movie that is a good motivation sure that's a fine motivation i think that's fine go with that version of the story then but But don't write in the fucking eyesight thing no but it's it's such I'm okay with the eyesight thing too though because it it's such an interesting concept if it's done well because the whole reason why he couldn't protect his partner is because he mm. didn't have his glasses on so if he had good eyesight if he had his glasses on his partner probably would still be alive so like you have that weighing on him and then you have him go and get the corrective eye surgery, but it's the day that he know it's on the day that he knows he can get the person who killed his partner, and but he still can't see. Right. He's still like, like he's your trying eyes get real to fucked get up it. during eye yeah. surgery. So he's so trying. Like... Yeah. The whole thing is that he can't see. He needs to wear these protective glasses throughout the entire day which he just abandons so let's also point out not on the poster it's not like he's wearing those on the poster no it was hidden and it's not in the trailer he he's not wearing those glasses at all in the trailer so like kind of cool if they hid that um but it was just like okay cool so you have him trying to fix his 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 weakness pretty much and yet he still needs to overcome it in order to protect this civilian who he basically kidnapped, but still needs in order for in order for him to you know get revenge on his partner, it could have been so good. It could have been. <laughs> it could have had layers. It could have had heart, and it just was such an inconsistent thing. Like the fact that the entire like Kumal and Johnny's entire character thing is that he is trying to sleep with his best friend who has been his best friend since college and who he has been in love with since college right and let's be it's clear just like that it's is not that... lazy and annoying and, and let's be clear because th- you you just described it the same way Devin did so i'm gonna make a leap here and be like <laughs> you mean straight up sleep with her this is not a situation where it's like i want to i want her to notice me as a human being it's, no, no, because it's we are in love 
it's that he just wants to sleep with her again. No, no, no. it's both. So it's okay. it's he wants he loves her. Like he wants to be in the relationship with her, but the the base motivation that day is sex. So his so his idea of a relationship is is sex. Is sex. Yeah, yes. okay. Which like is just skeevy and the whole time he's he's you know it just it just is gross. It just feels like I don't. You're. Uh, I feel dirty. Which also just, creates. Uh, which also creates another interesting opportunity, where you've got Dave Bautista, this big like, hulking masculine dude. Mm. If his if like the other thing going out of that movie is he's also trying to explain to Kamel why that's a bad thing. Yeah. Like, like you take the big. Hulk, you take the big beefy dude and be like, oh, by the way, respect women, you yeah, idiot. exactly. <laughs> and also, like, it, it's your... F- it's like, dude, you respect women, but you should also respect your friend. Like, you are yeah. friends. <laughs> D- dude! <laughs> and uh... it was just... It, it literally felt like we just need to give him motivation to get away from Dave Bautista. And it's like, y- you know what could have been motivation? Is that a fucking cop kidnapped me. Yeah. And there's no reason why he is staying with him. Except for, like, there is a moment in the movie where he literally could have just left and never came back. And instead, he just stays. Like, there were there were so many moments where Stu could have just peaced out. The cop is blind, pretty much, for the day. He can't find you. I mean, he probably could find you again. But have that be the thing. Have him freaking leave. Show that, yeah, okay, he's smart enough to be like, Peace out, guy. But also show that, oh no, Devastis is still a cop and still has ways to find this person, even though he cannot see in this moment. And then it shows, even if Commandant Johnny leaves again, there's no way that he'll actually be able to leave. You know? But that doesn't happen. So it's like, why are you staying? He, he has not, like, really incentivized you with money. He doesn't incentivize... His whole thing also is to get five stars because he needs to keep his Uber job yeah, on which top is- of his job at a sports center so he can open a spin gym, a cycling gym, with his best friend who he is trying to get with. There's it's like 80 much. different ideas layered onto this thing. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, let's also much. be clear. That thing is real. There's like a whole thing about the fact that like Uber drivers mm. are always in a panic about the fact that if yes. they drop below like four stars, Uber will drop them. Yes, exactly. So like, again, you have an opportunity to talk about a real thing that happens to people yeah. and they just don't even like it's a it's a one off joke. Uh, not one off. I'm sure it's like running throughout the, the movie, like you said. But I mean, it's like it's a joke. It's not yeah. a thing that's like ever seriously yeah. sat down and considered. But, and it's, talked about. <laughs> but it's also yeah, it doesn't. There was another moment where you could get heartfelt shit, man. Like. And and I, if I'm remembering correctly, the moment where they he, okay, so the Abatista gets into the Uber. He uh, Commander Gianni brings him to his the area he needs to go. 
he gets a phone call from the from the his friend and she's like drunk which is like another thing she is drunk calling him and being like let's fuck <laughs> and he's like yeah i'm gonna take advantage of this situation so like <sighs> dirty um yeah, yeah. but, <laughs> but like anyways, it would, they were again they, that means that they can't that means that they had literally an opportunity to make that character be like my friend is out there drunk somewhere and i'm worried about her i would like to get her home safely yeah yeah and like not even make it about the sex yeah, exactly <laughs> but there is that moment where he gets the phone call and then he literally is just like come on dude hurry up like i don't even think dave Bautista does say keep the meter running and then there's that joke of um, I'm not a taxi, but then he could have left as far as if I was an Uber driver, right? If he, as far as I'm concerned, I brought the customer to where they needed to go. I'm done. And, I'm going to get charged anyways. And Bautista's character does not seem to be the type of person to worry of like to, to, to know what he's doing with Uber exactly. very often. So like, it's, it's not like he's going time. to. It's yeah. his first time getting it. Which means it. that, like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. But, but he doesn't leave. <sighs> but he doesn't just leave. And it's like, dude, I understand. I, but I don't think the five-star incentive happens at that moment. I think if if it even happens, it happens later. And I think what it's actually is that they're fighting. And Dave Bautista is like, I'm going to give you zero stars if you don't. And then they get into a fight with each other, like a physical fight. And that was kind of cool. But I don't think there was ever like, hey, if you do this, I will give you five stars. I don't remember that ever being said. Like you make that a joke at the beginning when he first picks him up and he makes like some one off comment about, you know, I drop below a certain thing. I lose this job. It's so crazy. I hate the way this is set up. And then you make the joke pay. You make that like reference pay off at the end Mm. when they're in the hospital. And he says, like, here's your five star rating. (laughs) I I think it ends up with him giving it to him. Right. It ends up getting it. But there's no. And I'm pretty sure when the time that Kumon Ninjani says it is not even with ba- Dave Batista. And again, I could be misremembering, but I don't think it even happens. I think it happens with just extras, like just people who are getting into the Uber with him. It's a show that he's an Uber driver. God. I think it happens in that moment. So it's like, oh, yeah, stakes, I guess. But Ugh. honestly, if I was an Uber driver and I had a crazy cop being like, take me here, I I on I would be like, okay, once I bring you there, I'm out. And if you give me less stars, guess what? I'm going to go to my whoever the supervisor of Uber is who I need to report to because you got to report to somebody, right? Like, uh, I would just be like. You actually ha- don't with Uber. That's a major you problem don't? with it. But again, that's a, it's an opportunity to talk about that. Exactly. Yes. Like you could bring up these things. The whole gig but, economy problem, but people. The, there has to be something that somewhere, somewhere that you could go the to. Only, I think and the only like, person you go to is the person kidnapped me. I think the only I person left. you go to is the person that shows up and says you got three and a half stars. We're not letting you be an Uber driver anymore. But anyway. I don't know. It was. Just I know. But again, so that's the thing. It's a profound misunderstanding of how Uber works that goes into this movie is also the other problem with that, I think. I don't know. 
I don't know. It was just Ugh. it could have been it could have been so good and it just every time it would get there almost it would be like and we're going downhill again. This is fun. Uh <laughs> Dale um, but Let's talk Dale. about good movies. Yes, I'm done with Stuber. Stuber's <laughs> done. It was done after its first weekend. Yep. More My Spy is coming out. I hope it does I, better for Dave Bautista. Kamel yeah. Nanjiani is going to be in the MCU alongside him when he goes into the Eternals. So Wait, really? I didn't know that. Oh yeah, yeah, he's going to be in a, yeah, he gets to be in an MCU movie oh, with wow. Angelina Jolie. He'll be fine. So, moving on. <laughs> Yes. Oh my God, we saw the Muppet movie together yes, tonight. We did. Saw the Muppet. Mo- I'm so happy. De- Devin pointed out, <laughs> made it very clear that he could tell when a scene was coming up that I liked because I would get very excited <laughs> when a scene was coming. <laughs> I couldn't stop myself. I just oh, like man. the moment they got into the hotel restaurant and I was like, Steve Martin's going to be here in 30 seconds and this movie's going to go even better places. Oh my God. Yeah. That was incredible. Oh, I, that is my favorite cameo in the whole movie. It's <laughs> Steve Martin as the waiter with the short shorts and the waiter and the like, the like Christmas sweater under his waiter yep. jacket yep. for some reason. <laughs> it's funny. Cause it's like, I see that and I'm like, so that's just Steve Martin doing his, doing his night job. <laughs> Basically, I mean that's the thing. That's that's the thing about like the Muppet Show, and then what in the Muppet movie is that it it feels almost like every one of those cameos, someone ca- they they were like, we want Richard Pryor for the scene, and then they went to Richard Pryor is like, we're gonna have you selling balloons, do whatever you want with that, and Gonzo will react, and we'll figure it out from there. Exactly. And so, like, exactly. And like, okay, well I'm gonna treat Gonzo like a rube at a carnival, <laughs> yep. and I'm gonna sell him eighty balloons that are gonna make him float away. <laughs> good yeah no i uh, i really really enjoyed it it was my first time ever seeing it i got to see yeah, it on you the like you you like knew all of the words to moving right along yeah, I because, could tell. <laughs> because that is like the road trip song that devin and i will play and i learned it i didn't know what it was from i, I mean i knew it was a muppet thing but i didn't know context or anything like that but it is one of my favorite songs. And I obviously know Rainbow Connection. Because you don't live in the world and not know Rainbow Connection. We got a... My parents got some sort of random Willie Nelson album when we were younger. And the first song on it was Rainbow Connection. Yeah, it's... Because it was just him doing a bunch of, like, random folk songs with other people. Yeah. And, like, the first one was him playing Rainbow Connection. I mean, so, like, it's just out there. It's, it's one of the greatest songs song. ever written. Yeah, it's There's a so great... iconic. Me first in the Gimme Gimmies, yes. who's like a punk band that does like cover yes. songs. Yes. Me first in the Gimme Gimmies are a drag is a, their album where they do show tunes, and mm-hmm. Rainbow Connection is on there, yeah, it's and it's great. a fantastic version it's, of it. It's fair. I love there's Me no, First in the Gimme Gimmies. I don't think there's a bad. I don't think there's a way to do a bad version of Rainbow Connection. No. <laughs> if you do, you're pretty much exiled from the planet. <laughs> no one lets you make music like, anymore. <laughs> um. But yes, I was like, like we, we sat down in the theater and it just starts. Yeah, it just starts that after, was crazy. After all of their, uh, after all of their like, their like, 
newbie stuff or whatever it is that they do at Regal. And we said, and all of a sudden, it's just like the Universal logo. Yep. And then, oh, just that whole opening scene in the private screening room. And then it's just this wide shot of the swamp. And all of a yep. sudden, my heart, it like grew eight sizes tonight. <laughs> I, I love this movie so much. <laughs> it's like, no, it oh, was, my God. It was incredible. Huh. It was in, it was incredible. And I'm and, so happy that I got that I got to see it. And I, I love all of the puppet work that goes mm. into the Muppets. Like, just like the, the whole opening sequence with Rainbow Connection, watching his hand slide up and yeah. down the neck of the banjo yep. and, and, like, strum on the strings. Yeah. And so, Rolf, I think I've talked about it before, like Rolf playing the piano is like actually beautiful. Rolf playing the piano yep. because they like have the whole system set up for the puppeteers because one of them was trained as a pianist <laughs> mm-hmm. so he could sit there and play it correctly. Yeah. Oh, it's su- and it's such a good, that's such a good song too. Can't Live With Him, Can't Live Without Him is a great part of that movie. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that scene started and I saw him, I was like, oh, okay, so it's just puppetry, so he's just... But then I saw the fingers moving. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my god! And that's I think it's still, I think it still ends up being a track laid over the thing. I think it's still just like a player piano or like no strings inside. But yeah, but still, but the pian, like, but the but the puppeteer is a trained pianist exactly. and is actually hitting those keys. Yeah, like that is all so like, oh my god, the craft yeah. of movie making over the Muppets. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I mean, even just shot like uh, again, Rainbow Connection. It, the shot, the pan down into the water is just so beautiful. In, and in, like, into ugh. the swamp, and then you like reveal the fact that Kermit is like right there, but he blends into the green in the background as they, and then as yep. they come closer, it's like there he is. He's yeah. right there. He's right there in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was it. Ugh, I'm an animal. So animal, animal? In big scene. <laughs> Let me tell don't you wor- something. Don't worry, animal. We'll get to your big scene. We'll fix the film. Let me film tell you. Film is so cool. You can do it. I here's the thing about animal. I have loved animal for so long, and just because. Because, I mean, look at him. Like, he's I mean, he's the pu- best character. He's, he's pure joy chained yes. to a drum set. How exactly. do you like? So I have loved Animal for a long, long time. And I am not even a... I don't even have a huge knowledge of the Muppets. I have, like, the basic knowledge of the Muppets. And... But Animal and, Animal and Fozzie Bear have always been, like, my two. <laughs> and when freaking Animal... <laughs> Pops out of that building <laughs> as a giant sixty-foot head. It is I not was just so like, happy. Uh, I was uh, so happy, and like I never want. I I I just I want big animal all the time. I just want. A, I just want. I want. I want a thing on my desk that is that building with animals, <laughs> with head, animals popping head popping out. <laughs> yes. If, if I could, I would buy that in a heartbeat. Are you kidding me? I don't care how much it is. I, I would. Oh, I would spend. Man. I would buy that. It would be. It would be my prized possession. That was so good. It made me so happy. And, and like, his, his painting, on point. When they're painting the. Oh yes, when they're painting the Studebaker. Yeah. <laughs> Can and you picture just... that? Also, a great w- song. Fantastic. Um, 
again though, like the, the the intricacy of them playing those instruments. He's playing those drums. Mm. I watched Devin two seats away from me, excited to to do the arm motions along with Animal yes. because they are spot on to that drum set. Yeah, it's in, it's incredible. <laughs> but when he when they're painting, him, he's just still playing the drums. It's just. On the yes. it's like a it's, it's like, this beautiful perfect so cut between good. here he is he's at the drum so set good. here he is at the studebaker like like almost like frame to frame perfect as he's like just playing on the car <laughs> yeah he really like you're not he's just pure joy oh. he's just pure happiness bottled up in this <laughs> little monster who just wants to play drums and and, and then eat cushions <laughs> and and just like going through that movie and like so many dumb little vaudeville one-liners mm-hmm. as they go, it's a good thing frogs could hop or I'd be gone with the Schwinn. Yeah. Like, oh, come on. <laughs> How is that good? That's so perfect. All the vaudevilles, <laughs> all the puns just work and all like the movie references are just spot on. <laughs> Oh man! God, so, yeah, no. uh, so uh, end of that is that forty years on, the Muppet movie is still fucking great. Still holds up. Still it's holds so up. good. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is, oh it's man! Incredible. And then Orson Welles at the end is like his one line, <laughs> just uh, staring them down for forty-five seconds of silence, and just Tracy, can you get me the rich and famous contract <laughs> for the permit the frog and his friends? <laughs> Like, yeah, that's perfect. When you look at this movie as as what it is, which is they are watching the movie they made about their being about their coming together. So you're watching them watch this movie that they wrote about themselves. And like they got like after all of this, all of this wild story going across America to get to it, they get to the the office and it's uh, one of the shortest scenes in the whole movie and it's just handed right to them because that's not the important part of all of this. You know that we got it. Why do I have, I don't have to show you this part. They gave us a contract and we made the Muppet show and we love each other. That's what you need to know about this. Exactly. The important like scene was 20 minutes ago when we were in the western town and Kermit was talking about the fact that he finally found a family. family. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I I really like that. Yeah, it's a movie within a it's a it's a show because they end it with the Muppet show. Basically. <laughs> basically. Right? Yeah. So it's a show within a movie within a movie. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, <laughs> within man. a movie. And Kermit's Wait, nephew hanging out I with him during that. Love job. Kermit's nephew. Oh man. I don't. Oh, Kermit, know is this why? really how you guys got to be? Got to meet? Yeah, approximately. Yeah. It's yeah. about we fudged, right. Fudge some stuff yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah. No, I loved it. It was great. There's also it, there's a great, like, scene in from one of the episodes of the Muppet Show. I forget who the guest was, but they were talking to Kermit, and. For anybody who might not know, for whatever reason, the Muppet Show is like one of your garden variety, like seventies uh, uh, variety shows, like as kind of like SNL and on all that with sketch shows and stuff like that. But Kermit was the showrunner, and then everybody else around him. And there was always this idea that Kermit was like the straight man to the rest of the Muppets, and that everybody else was this wild and crazy person, and that Kermit was the one wrangling them all together. And this guest star comes up to Kermit one day and just says. How do you do this? How are you the sa- how do you keep sane in all of this? And he looked at her and he said, "Lady, I spend I choose to spend my night with these people every day." 
I'm just as nuts as the rest of them. <laughs> perfect. And the it's perfect like, yes, answer. Excellent. <laughs> excellent answer. Oh man. Oh. And so so if you go at looking at, at movie making from forty years ago and somewhat movie making with Stuber and great movie making with Crawl and not, then you look at movie making today with The Lion King and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood flip a coin which one do you want to talk about first um I feel Lion King let's do Lion King let's do Lion King let's do Lion King because after a couple of weeks it's the one that we both saw like earliest so yeah. probably more out of our memories and stuff and no it's still fresh I'm, in it's mind still, because I'm still fighting people <sighs> Okay, I don't want to fight. Let me give no, you no, my no, exact. No, 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 no! I don't want to fight either. This, that's just... not what this. That's not what I'm... this podcast it's, is. No, we it's don't not. We don't things. fight. We love it's, things. It's fighting other people. Here's the thing, because I was working last night at the theater at the bar, mm-hmm. still doing eighty shows a day of of Lion King. Mm-hmm. Family comes in at like. 10 something I don't know I'm closing at this point so they're one of my last customers all of them in their pajamas beautiful <laughs> definitely looks like they were all sitting at home and the kids were a little crazy and someone just turned to the other one and said hey you know what let's go to the fucking Lion King and shut these kids up so they all just got, got in the car and left without bothering to change out of their pajamas that's the <laughs> best way to go see a movie I've sure. seen so many movies in my pajamas Monday night at like 10 15 sure whatever so making the drink for the guy and he says it just you know, we're here to see Lion King. Have you seen it? I said, yeah, I saw it a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, opening weekend or whatever. He's like, oh, did you like it? I said, Dude, it's Lion King. It's not bad. <laughs> it can't yeah. be bad. Yeah. <laughs> was like, and he's like, and he looked at me and he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah you're right, actually. And he took his chicken and he went off. I mean, yeah, that's so, like, fair. Like we talked about with Aladdin, you know, I look, I'm starting to look at a lot of these remakes and things as like, I, I, mean, I, I mean, obviously adaptations, but mm-hmm. like, like like plays exactly. and Lion King especially because it's very close to the original although they made there was one specific area where they made some changes that I very much enjoyed but the rest of the movie was very close to like shot for shot the yeah. original was, um, was, it, uh, was it Hakuna Matata? I mean it was Timon and Pumbaa in general yeah. but, and Hakuna Matata and like a lot of stuff going on around them is some, some changes were made that I really liked what they did with those uh, performances, yeah, me too. but I think that the but I think the rest of the movie was very close to shot for shot, and mm-hmm. so it's very easy for then people to sit down and compare the two and be like, oh, well, yes. I liked this one more, and I don't like this one as much. I'm going to shit on this one, yeah. and I don't think it deserves that. I think they made some choices with this one that I don't fully get on board with, but I don't think that that's I don't I mean. I don't think it's bad that they made those choice. Like I don't I'm not mad at them. I'm not mm-hmm. mad that like. Mm-hmm. It's just, you want to know how I know I can still go back and watch The Lion King? Because the weekend that The Lion King came out in 2019, Freeform decided that was the weekend that they were also going to play the original Lion King from 1996 in the theater when I was working. So I'm sitting there watching The Lion King while people are coming up to me going, oh, is that The Lion King? Oh, it's their first time seeing that. We don't, I, they don't need to see that yet. And they walked away. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Disney is bad at time. I mean, sometimes. here's the Ugh. biggest, the biggest thing for me is... Again, these movies, the shitting on these movies is something that it's like, okay, the original still exists, guys. (laughs) You don't have to be so angry. 
<laughs> and no one stole your childhood and like bottled it away somewhere and you can never get it back. Especially with like, Disney Plus coming in three months when it will literally be at your fingertips. Yeah, like these the movies still exist. And so, first of all, calm down. Second of all, <laughs> the biggest things that I've that the the biggest complaints that I'm hearing are people complaining about facial expressions which is literally my problem yes. so let's get into this so... i don't want to say problem again i don't want to say problem i think they made a choice and i think that that choice didn't translate for me the way that they wanted to okay. for me for you yeah, I, but people like i was talking to a friend of mine who was like you know it was great but facial expressions and i'm like see i don't under i do not get that because for me, it's like, all right, animals use body language. That is, Maybe it's because I have a cat, which is <laughs> a weird thing, but I've had cats my entire life, so I've gotten used to the body language of a feline, but it, it really is. They use... They the only facial expressions they use are closing their eyes, snarling, baring their teeth, which is all things that happen in Lion King when they need to happen. Everything else with a feline is is body language. It's it's how their shoulders move. It's how their ears move. It's their tail. It's their paws. Like it's it's that's how they have to express themselves because animals cannot talk. Um, except they do in this movie. Except they do and in I this think movie. That's but the thing, the thing that it's it's I guess it's freaking people. That's what that's, might be. That's what it is. Because I can tell you, this is. Let me tell you exactly what where where, where what happened when I watched this is that I'm hearing voices. And my brain is like, especially because there was really good voice acting in this movie. It was so good. They all did such an excellent job. And the problem is that it's like I'm looking, I'm looking at a, to go back to the Muppets, the Muppets are all, all of their voice actors are also the puppets, are also the yes. puppeteers, I yes. mean. So even though their faces don't move like ours do, you know, Kermit can't blink mm -hmm. <laughs> in all of this, but you can feel you can feel what the expression he's trying to make because yes. the hand of that puppeteer is working alongside their own voice. And so it's all still kind of like one person. Mm -hmm. No, and but that... the problem. And so like, when I look at like, like I look at scar and I hear, uh, Chiwetel Iofor. Mm -hmm. God, I hope I said that right. Um, sounded right. When I hear when I hear his voice doing the like sarcastic thing or like the deeply like uh, like I'm being pleasant but really I'm f fucking furious thing, and then I look at a face that is not that just looks like it's staring off in the distance doing nothing, because that's not a scene that requires you know a lot from an actual like like because I mean, when you're thinking about like a real lion like they're just having a conversation and so it just feels like even though the voice is expressing so many different subtle things, that subtlety does not exist in a lion that doesn't normally talk. And so it's not, they don't have a way to animate that. That also still follows the rules of a realistic lion. 
And so I'm hearing a voice, but I'm not seeing a face that matches that voice. Yeah. See, for me, it... I'm I'm seeing the body language. I am seeing that. Like, I saw that in so many different parts of that movie with, like, especially, like, baby Simba. Like, I saw, like, his ears go down when he was scared and sad. Mm -hmm. But I didn't see his eyes reflect that. (laughs) And I know that that's not what real lions do. But the problem is that real lions also don't talk. So when he's talking really sad and his body is doing really sad movements, but his face isn't doing anything. All of a sudden, it just feels like there's a component missing. <laughs> I don't know. I see. I think, I think it would have bothered me more if it wasn't good act, voice acting. The fact that there's good voice acting, it doesn't matter. It it really doesn't phase me that there's no real facial movements, because I get it other places. I get it from their voice. I get it from their body language. And I get it from prior knowledge of of The Lion King. Like, people who have seen The Lion King as kids, they have that prior knowledge. So they can go into this with um, that and whatnot. I don't know how younger kids who are seeing the live action, the, you know, photorealistic, whatever, the, the 2019 Lion King... I'm, I'd be really curious to see how a, a kid watching it feels. Right. I because... mean, that's the other thing that comes down to all of this. All, it, all of these adults are complaining about this. And honestly, I don't, I mean, we don't interview kids for things very mm. often. I bet you they don't care. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't think don't... so either. But the thing is, is like, you want to compare. So, because I, I was thinking about it during the Muppets too. I'm like, this is, okay, cool. I am getting facial expressions from these puppets because I need to. I I need, they have the voice actors, but the voice, the voice actors for the Muppets, like, they have that, though, that subtext and they are able to, they, it's very good, but the bodies can't really reflect that. You need right. the face. So, yeah. It's great. Like, I, I understand how Kermit feels. I understand how Miss P- Like, I understand how they all feel. Because you need to. Because you have nothing else but a voice and a face. Original Lion King, the animated original Lion King, facial expressions were probably way easier to animate at that time. Because it's it's... That's what we need to go off of. That right. is and the main focus that we need to use. And there's long-standing, like, and I mean, part of this is I think Disney set this precedent as well. But I mean, there's long-standing, like, anthropomorphizing of animals in animation. Yep. And so you give them faces, and you give them faces in ways of moving that, even though they wouldn't do that naturally, mm-hmm. it is a thing to bridge that gap between, you know, the human audience and these animals exactly and, and i mean that was a thing that they did for years and i think it's just the fact that they're trying something new mm-hmm. that people are not responding to very well i don't know but it's... like <clears throat> oh, sorry <laughs> uh, i was just gonna say like i like like even after i saw lion king like jungle book came on again uh, yeah. on because you know it's been three weeks so time to repeat the movies um jungle book came out again and they did that with with that jungle book there are times when baloo is making faces that like a bear normally wouldn't make but his face is moving and and all of them do like like the closest one being shere khan a tiger Mm -hmm. so another big cat but i get so much like like i i could see even with and and 
I mean, the volume is kind of turned down. I'm not totally paying attention, but I can look up at that screen and I can tell you what Shere Khan is feeling mm-hmm. when I look at it mm-hmm. <laughs> versus, again, like like Lion King, where there are scenes where it just, it just felt like they were just, I mean, they were doing, again, they were doing a naturalistic thing with it. And I get that. And I don't, I don't ever want to fault. This is not the animator's fault. They were doing what they were asked to do. And I don't even think that this is like an, a filmmaker thing. I, I think this is, they made a choice. They stuck with that choice. I think it's admirable that they stuck with that choice. I think it's cool that they tried it. I just don't know if it landed for me. Mm-hmm. But that's so, totally cool that it worked for like that it worked for you. That's fine. I'm never going to be the person that goes out there and is like, never, no one should watch that. No, <laughs> go ahead and watch it. Watch it and enjoy it. Yeah. I still... The thing that I talked about uh, before was like I was concerned about what they were going to do with I Can't Wait to Be King. I think that was a great moment in that movie. I loved it. I still think about that scene. That was a good scene in I that movie. I loved it. It was so good. Um, I do have a – so I thought about that with Jungle Book um, because the – this is going to sound crazy, oh. but it's – Kind, I think it's valid because this is a safe space. Say what you'd like. Thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> um, because I did think about that because you had mentioned that jungle, the animals in Jungle Book do have more facial expressions. And again, like there was that day where you said that free that Lion King was um, Jungle Book was playing on Freeform, and I immediately turned on Freeform because I <laughs> I love that movie. I think it is so well done. And, yeah, I am watching the Shere Khan scene about the cuckoo bird um, was on. And it's like, yeah, like the I don't remember her name, but the wolf mother's face is so is so like flat and and dropped. And Shere Khan is is terrifying. He really like it's terrifying trying to walk to walk to watch watch that scene. And it gives you goosebumps and it's beautiful. But it's also I, I wonder if the presence of Mowgli helps with that. Because we have a human being who is able to do facial expressions. And right? react to things. And, and react to things. <laughs> so I wonder if psychologically... Now, I understand mm-hmm. that... The animators had to make them as well. I'm not saying it's just mm-hmm. all illusions, but no, but I, it's a I brain making a connection. It's a yes, exactly. It bridges that gap. So the fact that Mowgli is there, I think it makes it easier to see facial expressions in the Jungle Book like... because Mowgli can see them because and, he's and lived them. with them, right? Because yeah, Mowgli he, is reacting to them, and because he can that react actor to them. is still fucking fantastic exactly. in that movie. Every time I see it, yeah, exactly. Oh. So he has learned how to. So we're kind of seeing the animals through Mowgli's eyes in a way where it's like, yeah, of course we can pick up on facial expressions because Mowgli can pick up on facial expressions. Lion King. <clears throat> there are no humans. So, unless, like, granted, yeah, I have been able to pick up on um, body language and whatnot from the animals at work because I'm around them every day. If, if we were able to study and watch these lions, 
I'm sure at some point in the in in the time, I mean, Jane Goodall, right? Lived with the lived with gorillas. I am sure she was able to pick up on facial expressions after years of living with them, right? So we kind of have this like blindness to it that I think is so cool. And for me, I think it's extra cool that I was still able to get emotion from them despite not being able to read their faces because you have the voice acting and because you have the body movements. For me. And, no. I, and, and it's, it's, it's something that is so cool to me when I watch that movie that when I hear people just be like, there's no facial expressions, it's just like, and, I, and I'm not saying you, because you are able to. It's not even like, that there are no. Like, it, and and but, here's the thing. What's really interesting about that is that every time I think about that whole non-facial expression thing and I think about like there are scenes that didn't work for me and stuff like that, I also think about specifically in the middle of Hakuna Matata when adult Simba emerges for the first time, mm-hmm. when he comes bursting out of the the woods and yeah. he does the, you know, and literally I look at him, I like I still remember it clearly him saying it means no worries like the first time you hear Donald uh, Donald yeah. Glover's adult voice yep. and in my brain he is smiling yeah <laughs> i'd have no idea if they animated that or not yeah but the way that his the way that he moves out of that out of those bushes and the like the fact that like that's still one of the fucking best scenes in that whole movie mm-hmm. but he comes bursting out and sings that line mm-hmm. and i was like that that's what I wanted. That's what I want to feel like as I'm, as I'm watching this movie. And I don't know if it's the fact that it's just quick or if it's the fact that like, so my brain had to fill it in or what, but like, that is a, that is a shot that weeks later, I am still remembering as Mm -hmm. like, that is the shot that like, I want to remember when I think about the live action Lion King, live quote unquote, live action Lion King. Um, Also, can we talk about Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen and Simone and Boomer oh, for a second? Oh my god! Because oh my <laughs> god, the things that they brought to this movie—it was incredible. It was, and like, and I think this is maybe the other thing. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm gonna, I, I, I don't want to say fault anymore. I'm trying not to be negative about it. If I'm gonna say like another choice, I wish they had made with this movie is again something they did with Aladdin, which is to like do some changes. Mm. I think that's another thing is that like it's very easy to also watch that movie and be like, oh, I've seen that before, uh, yes, which is yeah. still good performances. But, you know, I wish they'd brought something different to the table. And they do with Timon and Pumbaa. The fact, because... the fact that they are, have like a little freaking tribe. I, tribe yes, is probably exactly. not a great way to describe it, but it but, is like but, a little tribe. It's like they, an A hippie tribe. commune. Yeah. They had a hippie yeah. commune of fucking vegans out in the middle of the desert. Exactly. In their little oasis. Beautiful. Where it was like, because it's the same thing they do with Baloo in Jungle Book, where it's mm-hmm. like, it's not just Baloo, it's Baloo and these like three or four guys that come up to him and talk to him about the fact that he's trying to get the honey again. Mm-hmm. And like the fact that like they're, you've got Timon and Pumbaa and this other group of herbivores living out in the middle of nowhere with them who are just like, oh, that's a lion. Why'd you bring a lion here? Yeah, exactly. Like, no, that's not a lion, that's Simba. It's a whole other thing. Yeah, yeah. And like, no, he's oh, a baby this is lion. so good. 
Like, I know that they did, like, a whole thing with Lion King 1.5 or whatever, where they explain <laughs> the story of Timon and Pumbaa yeah. about why they're alone and stuff. And that's fine. I like that version of Timon and Pumbaa, too. But I like this idea of them just like, oh, no, we're not the only animals that just, like, kind of chill mm-hmm. and eat bugs and grass. You I, can just be that type of animal. <laughs> I also really like – because, yeah, I and I was talking about this with someone else – with someone, too, is that I love – I love them as loners because they are outcasts. They are alone in, they are alone in the world and they find each other and that's all they need. Right. But I love, and and that's beautiful and perfect. And it's, it, it works. But in this one, the fact that they are like leaders themselves and like just like juxtapus, Juxtaposed, juxtaposed against, against Simba, Simba and, and Scar and who, Mufasa who and is, like they're yeah, who is a king as well. It's like yeah, okay, all right, this is cool. This is this is awesome. And like they got it together, and Simba is just like I don't know what to freaking do because I think. I am the reason my father is dead. Right, but and it becomes this like thing of like, Mufasa tells him that there is one way to be a king. Yeah. Scar tells him there's another way to be a king, mm-hmm. and then Timon and Pumbaa come along and be like, it's not just that you could just not be a king, which is their original kind of role mm-hmm. in the original Lion King. They're just like, they, even though they would way. say, even though they would say you don't have to be a king, what they're actually saying is you could just like, be. You could just like go out there and hang out with people and not be a guy that tells them what to do in any capacity mm-hmm. and but just kind of protect them. Right. Like but their job, like your like, job like, as a protector. And like, it's not even and it's not even that. It's like really what you need to do is eat. Like yeah. when you talk about like the light, like the circle of life and everything and like Mufasa's philosophy versus Scar's philosophy of like. Do you eat because the circle of life just says there's a food chain and you do this, but you don't eat too much because you need things to be able to stay in balance? Or do you do Scar, who's like, you eat fucking everything. Yeah. You eat everything until you can't eat anymore, and then you find more stuff to eat. Yeah. Or do you do – or you take Timon and Pumbaa, who are like, you just got to eat, dude. Don't worry about, like, don't worry about the balance and don't worry about eating too much because you're the powerful one, so you get to eat. How about you just need a meal because you're hungry? Yeah. And like that becomes the three, the like triforce the, that <laughs> that that Simba has to work with, yeah. of like, oh, this is like, like yes, there's sometimes there's a hierarchy, but there doesn't have to be a hierarchy kind of thing, and I love that, and I just love, love so much the Beauty and the Beast reference, Dale. That oh was my fucking God. fantastic. How incredible. Because the whole book, because so, 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 so I just can't wait to be King Happens. And I'm like, okay, they, they handled that perfectly. They made it fit within this naturalistic idea that they were doing. Mm -hmm. And they still made the scene really, really good. And also, then my brain went to, oh shit, the luau. Yep. How do they deal with Timon and Pumbaa doing the luau scene if they're not going to do non-naturalistic stuff? And what they did was that Timon and Pumbaa showed up and said, what if we were Deadpool and we just fucking broke the fourth wall every once in a while? And it didn't fucking matter if we just reference shit that doesn't make any sense. So then when that scene comes up, he just starts off with be our guest for 30 seconds <laughs> and then just runs away half and then runs away it's so good yeah and talk about let's talk about the other part where he's like i think we when adult simba's like i think we should go again who wants to go again and then timon is like no 
no, we're not. We're wa- I think we should leave them wanting more. And you've grown 400 pounds, and I've stayed the same. Look at that. And then you've grown 400 me, pounds since we started the song. Since we started the song. <laughs> and then, and then um, Simba starts, or Donald Glover, like, starts to uh so, like, riff. riff. He's just, like, he's like oh, God, he's riffing. <laughs> oh, God, he's riffing. Oh, what do we do? Oh, God, like, just let it fade out. Just let it uh, fade out. It'll do its own so thing. So good. <laughs> so good those fourth wall breaks because it's like Timon and Pumbaa are the only ones who are allowed to do that. Yeah, they are the like, Deadpool of Lion King. And, and even then, they're like they're like even just joking with themselves. Like they're, exactly. those sides yeah. that are just in the original Lion King. Like I even saw the original Hakuna Matata scene while I'm watching sitting there watching Lion King at work, yeah. and I'm like, oh god, now I have to compare the two. How do you do this? And I realized just how close those were. Yep. Like I think that people have this kind of rose tinted glasses at at that stuff from the 90s where they're like oh it's so different it's so different like no this is exactly how this scene went some of those jokes they're word for word but they're delivered completely differently exactly and that's exactly what you want again when you go to see a play and you see people doing different roles you want them to bring their own shit to the table (laughs) i could see seth rogan and billy eichner standing there like how do we do this thing okay well Well, let's do it a little quieter where we're just talking to ourselves off to the side and we're just like and so like i forget exactly what line Timon says where puma's like yeah good one and they just move on yeah but it's also like think of think of the line uh where it's like and I got downhearted. How did you feel every time that I, Pumbaa, not in front of the kid? You can't do that again. You can't do that in the 2019 one. And the fact that they let it go and let Seth, Seth Rogen as Pumbaa be like, every time that I farted, are you going to stop me? And then Timon, <laughs> no, you disgust me. And then just continue. And then... It's like, yeah, that's what you need. Those are the perfect moments that you need in a 2019 version of The Lion King. And, and in that same exact scene, the fact that they show an actual legitimate younger oh, warthog. Because I God. watched that scene in the original anime and I was like, oh, that's right. It's just Pumbaa Pumba. again. They didn't bother making him even look like younger Pumbaa. It's just like, oh, this happened last week. Can I just <laughs> say, baby Pumbaa? fucking adorable is all i needed in my life (laughs) like oh my god how adorable he was oh man Um, i was just like see and now talking about this i'm like happy about that movie again like i was never sad about that movie but like i was pretty much okay with that movie but i'm just remembering how much i really like the simone and Mm -hmm. puma stuff in there and even like Rafiki is really interesting this time because he barely speaks english Mm -hmm. i i don't know what African language he is speaking I don't want to just like guess because I don't know the African languages but he is not speaking English for a lot of that movie until he like needs to which I find like a really interesting way to write that character is just to be like he's just doing his own thing and like you kind of get it again from body language exactly and, and everything <laughs> I um, the... and then he like picks up the fu- the fucking staff out of the crowd. Is like hello, my, my old friend. friend. I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the other weird complaints that I've heard, and I don't I don't think we need to talk too much more about this because I do want to get to Once Upon, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, I don't know why oh, I said it like that. You got the ellipsis in there. I know. Anyway. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't want to pause. I didn't feel like it. Um, <laughs> the. The, the two really other weird complaints that I have heard 
is that <laughs> Can You Feel the Love Tonight did not happen at night. Okay. So, again, having watched the original, the other one also doesn't take place at night until the end. It starts at, like, sundown, exactly. and then it's the end. The night. So, yes, exactly. I was going to make fun of that. I don't know. It's just not enough for it's me to care. It's not enough for me. It's like, no, this is still a really nice sequence, I can guys. Tell you exactly, why do you got to ruin it? Again, because of the time can, of day. And I can tell you exactly why they made that choice. And again, it's because of the naturalistic style they decided to go with, which also includes natural lighting, exactly. which means that that scene would have gotten too dark. Um, mm -hmm. And so, again, like I could sit here all day and talk about the fact that like even re even live action movies don't use natural lighting specifically for this reason. But I would hate myself by the end of that <laughs> sentence. So, like, sure. Yeah. Was it a thing that I found jarring while I was watching it? Sure. Do I care enough to, like, keep complaining about it? Fuck no. Like, <laughs> here's the thing, though. It didn't even phase me because I was so captured you know what? in that movie. Listen to Donald I didn't Glover even and notice. King. That's more important. <laughs> Let's see. Like, that's the other thing that comes through all of this is that everybody's talking about this and nobody's talking about the fact that the, the top Disney movie right now is a black-led oh, Disney yes. movie. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's not even like like come on. Yeah. The fact that they like everyone has to everyone guys. has to talk about these stylistic things and nobody has to and nobody's going to talk about the fact that like Disney is dominating the box office again and it's with this major black-led mm -hmm. cast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <sighs> um yeah, I don't know. It, it, people will always harp on the negatives and I it's something I will not get. I and, will and never like, get it. <laughs> and there's 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 legitimate stuff yeah. to talk about with Disney's live actions. Like, not specifically Lion King. With Disney's business plan, mm -hmm. which is this whole, like, we're going to remake everything in live action because you need to keep our copyrights on these things because we've completely fucked up copyright law for our own gains over mm -hmm. the years. And they're like, there's like, every week now, there's four Disney movies in uh, in theaters taking up over half of the screens, which is like choking out other movies and stuff like that. That's all stuff that we could probably legitimately talk about. No one is having that conversation. I'm not saying no one. People are having that conversation. That's not what everyone who's complaining that there's a Black Little Mermaid is complaining about. Every time that they, like, like 90% of the people complaining about the facial expressions in Lion King are just pissed off that they didn't just re-release the the original one back in theaters, which guess what? They did that and everyone complained yeah. that they re-released the movie back in theaters. <laughs> so like, yeah. so like, know. it's a whole thing. Like we, we could have discussions about things needing to be original and Disney is just reusing their stuff because they don't have their ideas for they, all of this stuff. That's a conversation I would love to have with someone. That's not the conversation happening though. No. Like that's not what people are actually complaining about. So like, I don't care that you're mad about the facial expressions in Lion King. They weren't my bag. Guess what? I'm not going to sit on, the, on on Twitter and complain about it. Yeah. I might use them as a reference to other things. I'm I, not yeah. cats, but <laughs> <laughs> but like um, I'm not going to actually but but at the end of the day, I'm not going to be mad that this movie came out because of the facial expressions. Yeah. I'm going to be upset that it's still playing on eight screens in my theater so other stuff like Booksmart didn't get a chance. Exactly. That's the thing I'm going to complain about. Yeah. Um, <sighs> another weird complaint, and we can just kind of, we don't have to discuss it that much because I don't, it really can be explained in one sentence. 
and uh, unless you have more on it, unless I spark something in your brain, but I was so surprised when I heard it. Um, but it was that Mufasa in the clouds didn't exist. Oh, but I mean, he he does. He if does. He, he's, he exists in the lightning strikes. Thank that was you, again, Zach. That was, again, another weird Thank thing. You. Again, another choice that they made and they committed to that I was that I thought that made me. It, what it did was it took me out of things because I was expecting something else. Yeah. And again, I it is what it is. I think it is in line with the choices they made. Mm-hmm. And so I think it just falls into whatever other complaints people have. But yeah. it's not, again, worth complaining about. I, it's fine. I, I'm, I'm not happy, bad about it. But, it's... but what makes me happy is that you, you, I did not need to be like, but he's there. Like, here's the thing. you saw it. Yeah, because here's the thing. <laughs> when I saw the lightning strikes and I saw it there, what really took me out of that scene was that I was then mad at myself because I couldn't tell if my dumb eyes were just missing him through the rest of that scene <laughs> or if it was just the lightning strikes. Yeah. And so I found myself thinking too much about that to really be invested in the mm-hmm. scene. Again, I got you. That's what, that, so that's the type of thing that I say when it's like they made choices and that's my brain doing stuff. But again, that's a me thing. Yeah. That's not like, sure, like I get exactly what they were doing. And now I bet you if I went back and rewatch, I can guarantee you if I went back and rewatch this movie, I would probably enjoy it a little more. Mm-hmm. Because I was just thinking too much through the whole thing. Yeah, which I did not. It it totally did its job of making me live in the moment of the movie. Like yeah, I just, it, I did I wasn't thinking about anything. The only time I really was thinking about stuff was when I was like, "That was a cool choice. It is beautiful that they use the naturalistic thing of clouds that clouds form shapes, and that yeah, when." A certain amount of light will go through a shape, uh, go through a cloud, it'll make it look like something. And yeah, there's Mufasa's face. There is a lion's face somewhere in that cloud. And it's it's done so beautifully. It's subtle, but it's there. And and I it 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 was so beautiful to me. And you see, <laughs> what I really wanted was the Simpsons scene with Bleeding Gums Murphy where uh, Mufasa shows up, but then Darth Vader shows up, and then Bleeding Guns Murphy shows up, and then James Earl Jones just shows up to tell you that this is CNN. So no. <laughs> you have no idea what I'm referencing, do you? I don't think so. There's a, there's a character in um, The Simpsons that was voiced by James Earl Jones, and they had a whole episode uh, with Lisa dealing with the fact that he had passed away. He uh-huh. was like the guy who was like this guy that like had taught her about saxophone and stuff. It's a very moving oh, scene, okay. very moving thing. So. There's a whole scene because this came out after Lion King where she's like, where she's like upset, and then Bleeding's cover, Bleeding's Gun Murphy comes to her as like like Mufasa because yeah. it's James Earl Jones. Yeah. But then at the end of that scene, she's like, "Don't worry," he's like, "Don't worry, Lisa, everything will be okay." And then Mufasa shows up and is like, "Don't worry, Simba, all will be fine." <laughs> and then Barth Vader shows up and is like, "Luke, I am your father." <laughs> and then just just because because this was a thing that James Earl Jones did, it's just his face and he goes, "This is CNN." <laughs> it's, it's so good. Incredible. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, no. That's the I, button on the Lion King. <laughs> I bottom line for me is I really really enjoyed it and still so far Beauty and the Beast has been the worst. Right. And I think we'll talk about that. Disney. I'm going to watch it. I might actually sit down and watch it because the bits and pieces that I saw mm-hmm. 
recently made me think that I should just watch this because I have very specific thoughts on those art choices. Yeah. And again, uh, it's a whole thing. Not important. Not important. Let's talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because that's another movie that made some choices that I think we need to talk about. <laughs> but I very much enjoyed. Lion oh. King, go see it. If you're on the fence about it or, or whatever, like if you like The Lion King, I don't think you're going to hate this version of it. But I think give it a chance. I mean, the movie's about to make another billion dollars, so people have been giving it a chance. But yes, like, like, deserves a chance. If it pops up on Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever, I don't think it's a waste of your time to be like, I want to see. Oh, I haven't seen this version of The Lion King. Watch it. I don't think it's. I don't. It's not worth the headache hating it. Yeah. That's what I'm gonna say. Yeah. So. Once Once upon upon a time time in Hollywood. Hollywood. Stereo. Dale, Dale. Yes, Zach. If I, if the words written and directed by Quentin Tarantino did not show up on screen, uh-huh. I think you could have conceivably convinced me that the Coen brothers wrote this movie. Because this is probably <laughs> the most, with the exception, and we're going to talk about the scene uh, toward the end of this movie. Uh-huh. But yeah, with the spoilers. exception of that scene, yes, well, spoiler friends are coming, but we'll get there. But, but with the exception of that scene, which even then you could probably conceivably convince me if I was drunk enough. But like you rewrite that scene just a little bit. And I would have told you this was a, this was a Coen Brothers movie that I just watched. And that is probably the highest praise I could have given you for a Quentin Tarantino film because if I had to choose between the two I will watch a Coen Brothers movie any day I like Quentin Tarantino I have loved Quentin I love Quentin Tarantino movies I don't watch them for like deep meditative thought about anything I watch them because you know for lack of a better term they are pulp fiction in like the like and that's what he's doing he has always been like I'm I'm writing basically writing really high budget exploitation films and like using the stuff that I liked about exploitation films to make those movies but I don't think he was ever doing anything much deeper mm-hmm. I think that people have read a lot into Quentin Tarantino over the years I think Quentin Tarantino just likes to make really bloody action scenes and do things that he likes to see on film mm. I think Once Upon a Time in, in Hollywood is a complete departure from that I think there is so much to talk about with this movie that I never thought I would say about, like that I think is on screen. I think a lot of people, people have written books about Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs, and people have have written books about Kill Bill as like a concept, mm-hmm. and even Death Proof um, <clears throat> within the Grindhouse film, you know, like is this thing you could talk about, like what the choices he was he made and all that. But I don't think, I think a lot of people put shit on Quentin Tarantino movies. I think that he had very specific feelings about the Manson family Mm -hmm. and the murder of Sharon Tate. Mm -hmm. And I think he has very specific feelings about how Hollywood ran up until the sixties going into the seventies when a lot of things changed. And I think that's all in this movie. And I think it's one of the most personal movies he might've ever written. (laughs) All right. That's my feelings about once upon a time in Hollywood, a movie I still don't know if I would rank above like a seven out of 10 sometimes. All right. How do you feel about it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know where to start. 
Okay. Because okay. what you just said is very interesting. Okay. In that, this is going to blow your mind, Zach. Uh-huh. And I am sorry. Okay. I know you're not sitting down. I'm, yeah, no, I've but, never sat down for this but podcast. But you, you might want to sit down. I, uh, and you may I'm or may not wait. already know what I'm about Hold to on. say. I'm putting an envelope to my forehead. Say the <laughs> sentence you're about to say. I have only seen a small group of Quentin Tarantino movies. Oh, that's not at all what I thought you were going to say. Those movies include Django Unchained, Jackie Brown, Hateful Eight, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. How the fuck have you seen Jackie Brown? I'm sorry. Hold on. <laughs> that's the thing that's going to confuse me with this. So first off, the sentence I thought you were about to say was, I don't know enough about the... Okay, hold on. Coen Brothers? Because I also... Spoiler Friends. No. Oh. Spoiler Friends, Spoiler Friends. Oh, Amazing I don't know. Friends. You're correct. We're about to talk about things in this movie that weren't even in the marketing except for like a specific shot in one trailer, as Devin likes to point out, because it's the reason he saw the movie. Yeah. And like, let's be clear. Uh, if you've read about this movie, you know it because you know that that spoiler or whatever, because back when it was announced... I knew this movie as, okay, if you don't want anything spoiled about this movie, stop listening right now. Uh, we'll <laughs> skip to the end if you ever listen to the sign-off for the Twitter stuff. But I just have to start talking about this movie now. So there's your all of your kibitzing on the spoilers. <clears throat> so You're not wrong is what so, I'm going to say. Here's the thing. When I, I read – yes, when he ha announced this movie, he announced this movie as I want to do a movie about the Manson family murdering Sharon Tate. Mm -hmm. That's what he announced this movie as. So my mind got so confused when the trailer came out and didn't fucking say anything about that. <laughs> yeah. So I – so I thought you were about to say, I don't know anything about the Manson family and the Manson family murders. And so, uh, which was the thing that was like, that was in my brain. The fact that you haven't, I'm, again, I'm, I'm no longer, I don't ever want to be mad at people who haven't seen a movie. That's bullshit. I'm surprised. Just like I was surprised that you hadn't seen the Muppet movie. Yeah. I'm surprised you haven't seen more Quentin Tarantino stuff just because of the family you live in. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so, so. But I'm things, surprised you saw Jackie Brown because Jackie Brown. As much as it's my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. It's the movie, best fucking movie. I am surprised that, like, it is it is constantly considered the lesser of his early films mm -hmm. because it's an adaptation mm -hmm. and it's nowhere near as over the top as Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. But I love Jackie Brown. Love it's my favorite so Quentin much. Tarantino movie. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood might be my second because it's so close to Jackie Brown. <laughs> that is what I was going to say. That's exactly... <laughs> Fuck you, Zach! Exactly what I was going to say. Yes. No. Um, but uh, so the, things, the thing about the Manson stuff, um, I had no idea going into this movie that that was what it's going to be about i also gonna gonna admit it i don't know enough about sharon tate i i, I mean if i know Char anything Char i know about i know about charles manson i know about the manson family like i know that it's it was murders and all of that i i didn't really know that it was a like hippie you know, group. Well, I thought it was legit. It was a guy who who used hippiness to 
deal with yeah, his with own yes. completely nutso bullshit <laughs> that he was doing. But uh, I thought it was legitimately a family. Like, I didn't, and that, I mean, which, I mean, you could say that they are legitimately a family because they, they look at each other about things like, in a things like found way. family and all this other shit. Yes, found no, I understand family, exactly what, but, yep, I know exactly but what you I, mean by that. I thought it was a blood family. I never really knew that it wasn't. So right. I know very little and basic stuff about the Manson murders and all of that. <laughs> Can I so tell you? <laughs> I, I? I watched that movie with such different eyes, but I still so, loved it. <laughs> right. And, and, and like it does the Inglorious Bastards thing where it's a whole rewriting of history, but for, I think, a different reason. I think Inglorious Bastards was like, hmm, how do I want to say this? America kind of shit the bed in World War II at the beginning. I know a lot of people, I know that we teach it and we like to think about the fact that, like, we came in after Pearl Harbor and fucking wrecked shit and then we won. Uh, we also tend to ignore the earlier part of that, that that war was going on for years before Pearl Harbor and we were telling, you know, Jewish people on boats to just fucking turn away at the Statue of Liberty because we didn't want you here. So, like, I think that when you look at Inglorious Bastards as a movie about Americans who secretly went in and then fucking murdered Hitler, I think that there's, like, a lot of stuff going on there. Again, stuff that you put on that movie. I think that movie is just, like, what if we did, like, this exploitation film where, like, American Jews went in and killed Hitler and it was exciting and we did all this other stuff. And I think there's other stuff to talk about in that movie, but ultimately it's just, like, it's, like, the weirdest sort version of, like, revenge exploitation movie. I think that um i forgot where i was going with this no i didn't so <laughs> once upon a time in hollywood i think that um quentin tarantino looked at the sharon tate murder and i think he saw a lot more about like her potential as an actress and how not only did that murder change like hollywood is already changing but that murder really like changed that there's there's different views of Sharon Tate. I did actually completely fucking lose the point. I forgot what I was going with all of this. The 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 fact is that like they're two different alternate history stories, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that he had a very different reason for writing both of them. That's where I was going with That's, it. Yeah. Thank you, Zach. I remember. <laughs> um, I think he had. I think that that one was just like, what if America was like better about this? And also, Hitler died not in a bunker, killing himself uh, like a coward but like an american jew kind of fucking went in and just did all of this amazing stuff like a burning a building's burning down around him and we're using a machine gun on him and that's so cool whereas the sharon tate murders i think was like on a much more personal level mm -hmm. i think he just really wanted sharon tate to be alive yeah and i think he i think he like really likes this idea of these actors that come into hollywood and are not like i mean not to compare adam brody to leonardo DiCaprio in a weird way but like Adam Brody, a guy who was never, I don't think, ever going to be a, like, A-list. I don't think they're ever going to give Adam Brody, like, a, a, a MCU movie where he's going to come in and be the movie star. And I don't think he's ever going to get, like, a Revenant like Leonardo DiCaprio did where he's going to do, like, some sort of amazing thing where he's going to, like, get fucking wrecked by some CGI bear and win an <laughs> Oscar. But I, I think that there's, like, a version of Adam Brody that comes in, does, like, the OC and In the Land of Women... <laughs> in a couple of other movies and then disappears. And I think that's who Rick fucking Dalton is. Yeah. 
is the guy who's like never quite the star. I think he, you know, had a couple of great hits and then he did the TV thing and then went in to do his like Italian Westerns and all of that. And then that was it. That, that, that that's who Rick Dalton was. But he it, is a big star. But he, he, he isn't. He isn't. I think he's a big star in the way that like, who am I thinking of? Someone who like goes on, who does like TV appearances and stars in some movies, but never like wins an Oscar. You know uh, what I mean? I, that's okay. what I'm thinking. Of. When I think of Rick Dalton, that's what I think of as uh, when he says like when, when we look at him as like a movie star. I think of a guy who's like in a bunch of movies that are really marketable and does the TV thing. Well, again, like, he... but never like but never but is never like asked to come in and like. I think that they, I think that when he's told to be evil Hamlet uh-huh. on on the set with uh-huh. fucking Timothy Oliphant, oh I think God. that's the most anybody has ever come to him and asked him to act. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, the I thing... don't think anybody comes to Rick Dalton and yeah. says we want you, we want you because we're doing an Oscar bait movie, basically. Yeah. <laughs> the weird, the weird thing is, is that it, it's all television, it's all television, and then it's spaghetti westerns. Because right. his yeah. his TV show, his um, what's it? It's uh, Bounty Law. Bounty Law. Bounty Law. It's yeah. a television show. It's not. It's right. not. A he movie. was never. He and was never he like was a like major movie star. A who guest fell. star in all right. of TV, all of these TV shows, and it's like, okay, so you are a television star who is like trying to get into movies. Yes. But you can't get there. So I I see what you're saying. Yeah. Right. Like, I get what you're saying. I mean, you are a TV this is actor. not at all, this is in no way to shit on a man I absolutely respect. It's like Timothy Oliphant, actually. <laughs> Timothy Oliphant does a lot of great fucking TV work, and yep. he's been in a few movies. But yep. like Deadwood, the mov- like the TV show, and now it's a movie, but that's a whole other thing. But like Deadwood, he was he's good in. And like Justified, he's fantastic in. Another Elmer Leonard story, Whoop. much like Jackie Brown. Um, and like he's a great, great amazing character actor and like santa clarita diet he's fantastic and but then it's like you think about movies and he did scream too and he did the crazies remake and like he now he's in once upon a time in hollywood but i don't know the last time he was in like a huge movie production yeah and so like and and that's fine i think it's just like there was a there was a time where people thought like the step up was you do some commercials and then you do tv and then you do movies and movies were where you became big and like these days in a changing hollywood setting now it's you don't do a bunch of blockbuster movies you just do really good fucking tv yeah. and you're in front of people every week yep. who are going to know you more so like so yeah i i think that like I, 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 again, have forgotten where I was going at the beginning of this. So, I really like this movie. I really like this movie, too. And the, the thing, the, the funny thing that I was going to say, too, to compare it is those movies of Quentin Tarantino's that I've seen are, are, are all I can go off of, right? So, you being like, it felt so different than his other stuff, and it felt like a Coen Brothers movie... I don't really think about the Coen Brothers too much, uh, which is like, like everybody around me does, but I don't. <laughs> um, it's I for honest, I am being a hundred percent serious right now. I kind of feel bad. I often forget which movies are Coen Brothers movies, <laughs> which is crazy. But if you were to rattle off movies, I'd be like, oh yeah, 
think I've seen that one. Oh, I, yeah, I've I, seen that one. I could because I own most of them at this point. <laughs> like, uh. <laughs> I don't have any, at least not, like, ones that I think about often enough to, like, really pay attention. I don't have any strong feelings towards the Coen Brothers movies. Coen Brothers, right? Um, I know that I've liked their movies, but do you get what I'm saying? You, you like, don't. You don't go don't out of your way. Think about that. You're not. You're not waiting <laughs> for the next te- uh, Coen Brothers movie. Yeah. You're just like it's just gonna happen, yeah. and you might see it if it sounds interesting. Yeah. Yes. And just like I mean, just like I'm not waiting for a Quentin Tarantino. There was a time where I did not like Quentin Tarantino because I was just like everybody loves him, and that's fair. I I can't. <laughs> that's <laughs> but that's then fair. I saw, we all go then, through that phase. But okay. then the very first movie of his I saw was Django Unchained because I was like. This is a movie I want to see because I freaking love um, Christoph Waltz or Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx. I freaking <laughs> love Jamie Foxx. I love Christoph Waltz. I love Leonardo DiCaprio. And I love Samuel L. Jackson. Django was also I the movie that reminded him. me that Leonardo DiCaprio was like a – like. <sighs> For years, I had gotten this picture in my head of Leonardo DiCaprio of basically Titanic and nothing else. And so, like, in my head, I was like, oh, like, Leonardo DiCaprio is, like, a specific type of, like, dramatic actor I don't really think about very often. And then Django came out, and, like, his turn as Candy just completely blew my fucking mind. It's just, it it was a movie that I saw, and I was like, I need to see this. It is a a Western. It, It just looks incredible. I need to go see it. And I was like, all right. I kind of get where people are coming from with Quentin Tarantino. And then I watched Jackie Brown. And I was like, this movie is a mass, is is just beautiful. It is so beautiful that there was a time where it was on Hulu and it was the movie that I went to sleep to. (laughs) Because I'm like, I could watch the opening of... Jackie Brown, Pam, Pam Greer. Yep, Pam Greer. Of Pam yep. Greer just walking through that freaking airplane. Oh my god, and that those, can that lull me to sleep. Sequence, that opening credit sequence of her just walking through that airport it, is so just, fucking good. It's it is so beautiful, right? All right, all right. It's so beautiful. I loved it. And then I heard about people being like, "It's the lesser of the Quentin Tarantino movies," and I'm like, "I don't. Uh, did we watch the same movie?" <laughs> Did we experience the same? What is what is going on in your brain right now? I, I and can... then it was Hateful Eight. I watched Hateful Eight, um, and I loved that because it was just it was everything about being stuck together that is that I love. Like I love Stagecoach. I, I need to of that. Re- I need to rewatch Hateful Eight because, like, I liked it, yeah. but. I don't know. I felt I weird about it. I love the concept it, of people being stuck it, together and needing to deal with it. And it, it's one of those things love where, it. like, he doesn't he doesn't put out a lot of movies very quickly, mm-hmm. obviously. Like, this is his first film since Hateful Eight. It's yes. been a couple of years. Yeah. And, like, but Hateful Eight came out so soon after Django that it felt to me like this was, like, a thing where it was like, oh, he just kind of thought about this and put it out on screen because he was just, like, Django had such a weird push to it between Christoph Waltz and, and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio especially. Mm. 
the the fire from Jago and Chain, he just like jumped on the opportunity to do a story that I think was bouncing around in his head, but I don't know was as fully conceived as the rest of his yeah. movies. So I remember watching Hateful Eight and being like, I, I, I like I, I probably need to watch it again now that I'm like far farther away from it. Yeah, I get that. But, I just I watched Hateful Eight very um, fresh from coming coming off of a John Ford class. Mm. Um, so I had. I've you know I've loved westerns, but I really got I love to Stagecoach also. Stagecoach yeah. is such a good movie. <laughs> like I got to experience all of these west westerns in just such like close co- like close um proximity to each other because that's fucking that's John Ford guys like yes you western he's a western guy and I love cowboys and all that so I got to be in that world for an entire semester and I watched Stagecoach and I'm like. This is what I want in a movie. I want people <laughs> who are forced into a situation with each other and need to deal with it. I, and then I went on to make a movie about that during school, um, about two people getting stuck in an elevator with each other and needing to like revisit their past with each other. And then I got to watch Hateful Eight, which is just stagecoach in a, in a, in a cabin pretty much (laughs) and it it was just like okay everything is lining up perfectly for me but watching once upon a time in hollywood it's like yeah this feels like those tarantino movies it feels a hundred percent like jackie brown because it's like these are just people living their lives and, and, to I'm, the point, and I'm living their life with them. To the point where when the major inciting event happens at the end, there is a timer put on yes. screen. And that's, <laughs> that is, to the T, the ending of Jackie Brown pretty yeah. much. Yeah, I love, and, I love the idea the of time. And the ending of Hateful Eight. Yeah, like, I love the idea of time in Jackie Brown. Like, there's like a whole, there's all mm-hmm. sorts of stuff going on in that. Again, mm-hmm. talking about a movie where you can actually like go deeper with the characters. And I think again, because this is a thing that was uh, mm-hmm. developed from Elmer Leonard's Rum Punch, so like he had more to work with. Mm-hmm. There's so much more going on with that movie. With the fact that everybody, with the exception of Bridget Fonda, everybody in that movie is like 40 plus years yeah. old. Yeah. And so there's like this whole idea of like time and age runs through Jackie Brown in a way. That like, oh my god, it's so good. Slight, it's so very good, um, and and that even works in this in Once Upon a Time where it's like, it's been nine years that these guys have worked together, and that that nine years has been like the nine years that they've had to basically do the thing that they like doing, mm-hmm. and now it's time to figure out what the fuck comes next because yeah. they're aging out of the thing that they love. I just love. Once a friendship like this is coming to its end, once a once a partnership like this is coming to its end, the only way to celebrate it is to get fucking drunk with each other. Yes. Something like that. Something yeah. like, like it's just like that's that's perfect. That's so good. Um, I have a slight uh tangent to go off of on real quick. Sure. Have you seen Life of Crime? I don't even know what Life of Crime is. Beautiful. We need to watch that. Okay. Because it is it is about Samuel Jackson's character, Robert De Niro's character, and the girl. <laughs> I don't remember her name from Jackie Brown. The... Oh, Bridget, Bridget Fonda. Yeah, yeah. So um, you just said that. 
It is about those three, their first, like... Oh, is it the thing that puts Robert De Niro in, in jail at, that he's getting out of in Jackie Brown? Um, or is it just, like, this just the first that. time? But it's but. it's it's about them younger. And huh. it's it's so good, Zach. <laughs> but it's not a Quentin Tarantino film. No, it's just That's it's just thing. also based on it, those same characters from from Leonard. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's it's so good. We need to watch it. I've been wanting to watch a movie for a long time again. And the fact that you haven't seen it, we gotta watch Perfect. it. Perfect. Um Perfect. anyways, so back to yeah. I, I I really, really, and it's so funny again, like we were talking about, like my, we went, the entire family went, so me, Devin, and our parents went and saw this movie because we were up in Maine together, and they have a really cool movie theater there, so it, it was, it's so nice to like go see a family, all four of us, where all four of us love the movie, like my, my dad was able to get enjoyment of the nostalgia, like all the FBI stuff, he was like, that was it. Like I watched that. I I watched FBI. Like that was it. And then my mom, oh, man. my mom, like because they're I'm the heavy thing, on FBI this week. <laughs> their, <laughs> their whole thing was like, we lived this. We lived with oh yeah the Manson murders, and it's like yeah. So you guys are watching it in this through these eyes that I. Did not get, and Devin got, and Devin watched through it too, because Devin knows more about Sharon Tate and the Manson murders, all of that, more than I did. I watched that movie simply as a movie. I did not watch it as a Manson family movie. I did not watch it as a Sharon Tate movie, because again, I didn't know anything about that stuff, and I and I didn't know it was part of the movie. So the. F- the cool thing that to makes me, me that makes me interested to know because like two thirds of the way through that movie when it's like so the, the movie is structured as like two days and then there's a six month gap and then like one more night uh-huh. and like in my head I was like okay so I know where this is going so this is just kind of like a character a character piece about these two guys right up until the Sharon Tate murders as someone who didn't know that's what the end of this movie was what did you think this movie was for those first two thirds of the movie where mean? they're going where they're going through those first two days like just people I just you were just watching it as just like a slice of life drama of life about drama these two that, dudes that okay. Tarantino does and okay I mean, <laughs> that's yes a no. I mean, I guess here's the thing, because like in a Tarantino movie, like I think about Pulp Fiction, where it's a lot of stuff like that, where it's just like, here's a day in the life of all of these. Again, I've never seen it. men and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's like three or four different perspectives that all kind of come together. Yeah. But what's the, the thing about it is that because it's Quentin Tarantino, you end up with all of these like really bombastic scenes once mm-hmm. in a while. So like, even though it might be like this slice of life thing where there's not like plot wise overarching a, not a lot more is going on than just it's a day in the life of these people. It's just that the day has way more stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Whereas like in once upon a time, what you get is like, like you get a day on the set with Rick and you get a day where Cliff couldn't be on set because the guy running the stunts didn't like him. So left him to his own devices. So he's changing a fucking antenna on the house. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and so you get these kind of they're they're compelling enough scenes as dramas, but like without an idea of what the overarching 
idea of what what those are. Like, I don't know, like, like, I'm watching these going as like, what are these two people going to have to do with the Sharon Tate murder? That's what I'm watching it for. I don't know, like, there's, there's not like a scene, it's not like there's a ton of like these bombastic violent scenes of just like gore that come out of Tarantino movie. I'll I'll explain exactly what I was watching that movie as. Okay. I explained it to my family and Devin was like, I I don't even see how you could get that because again, he doesn't have he had the knowledge. I did not have the knowledge. What I thought this movie was uh-huh. Was fuck. I, I did not no, expect no, to say it because you're going to say cuz here's what's going to happen. Cuz here's what's going to happen. You're going to say it and I'm going to go, "Oh yeah, I can see that." That's what usually happens when we get into the situation. So, so just say it. It'll be right. fun. So, I thought, okay, so it's these it's Rick Dalton, it's Cliff last name. Uh <laughs> Booth, I think. What? Booth maybe? Booth? I don't I know. I think it was. That may, I that was in my head too, so maybe it is Booth. So I was like, all right, so it's these guys, right? It's living their life. They get involved, or, or Cliff gets involved with this this hippie, you know, group. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, and I was like, all right, so fine. We'll see what happens with them. The, the biggest weird part of this movie was the scene where Sharon Tate goes to the movies to watch uh-huh. Wrecking Ball or Wrecking Crew. Yeah. Right? Yes. I thought she fucking single white femaled it because they used the actual footage from wrecking crew not even and because so of it's that, Zach. actual sharon tate in there not margot robbie <clears throat> nope not even that for okay. some reason i read margot robbie's acting as trying to hide the fact that she is not the real sharon tate hmm so in I my can... head in hmm. my head she, like, as a kid or something, or, like, as, she, like, in college or something, or in school, people kept being like, you look just like Sharon Tate. You look just like Sharon Tate. Oh, my God. Has anybody ever told you that? <laughs> so then that got into her head, and she went out and killed Sharon Tate and took over her life. I that is love... what was going on in my head, Zach. I love that reading. I... <laughs> Also, have no idea how the fuck you got there, yep. but sure, cool, go with it. No, because it's fine. There were so, just there were moments where it's like, yeah, all right, you seem very sketchy in this moment, and I'm explaining this to Devin and our parents, and they're just like, but it, but she was just like excited to see herself on the on the big screen, yes, and, and I'm I like, think... yeah, that makes sense, but well, I thing, did I... not see it through those eyes. So here's the thing, because I, I looked it up afterwards because I wasn't entirely sure how many films Sharon Tate had actually been in before she yeah. was killed. Yeah. Right? So I think, again, I think if you look at this from that angle of, I think Quentin, Tar- I think Quentin Tarantino just has a fucking crush on Sharon Tate. I think that's what that really comes down to. And I think he's just really mad that she was killed because I think he wanted her to be in more movies. Yeah. And so, like her biggest role was Valley of the Dolls, which she mentions in yes. that thing. And she yes. says she has that really weird line read and that really weird cut where she's like, I'm the one that ended up in dirty pictures, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I believe is a reference to her character and not herself. I think. Yeah. And so <laughs> I think it's just like, I think they made, 
they made some interesting choices with Sharon Tate as a character in this movie because she's definitely like she is a third lead who never talks. Yeah. Almost. She has one real scene of dialogue and that's when she goes to the movie theater to watch herself in the movie. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, she's like, I mean, she says stuff in other scenes and all that, but she's largely just like a secondary character in all of that, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting because I think that's kind of the story of Sharon Tate in real life. Yeah. Is that like she, much like Rick Dalton, she was a person who really wanted to break into film and even got as far as marrying Roman Polanski, you know, before we knew he was a fucking monster, but marrying Roman Polanski and was like trying to like line all these things up for herself so she could be more. And then like the fucking Manson family comes along and just fucks that all up. Yeah. And like. And so, like, I think that I, I think it, it's interesting because I think what they've what Quentin Tarantino has created in Sharon Tate as a character is this person who just really wanted like more for herself and really, like you said, like really loves seeing herself on screen and really loves seeing like hearing the reactions of people. I, For someone who does not talk for a lot of that scene or, or even like when she's in the theater and doesn't talk at all, Margot Robbie does fantastic fucking acting as she's just sitting there in that theater listening oh, to yeah. other people react, react to, her. to her. And I think that that's like, I think that is the purest form of Sharon Tate as far as Quentin Tarantino is concerned. Yeah. And, and, and thinking about it, but I can it, actually about... like, like see that I can see that reading from you. The second you said that, I was like, that's wild. But also yeah. <laughs> if yeah, that, no. that last 20 minutes could be a very different 20 minutes. Well, so what I thought when it was going to go and there are those moments where it's like yeah she is feeding off of that energy laughing but it's like she's taking her life so she's like oh I I'm getting this like it's for me and not her and I'm like this is crazy like that's cool I've also never seen single white female I just know the plot because I live in the world um but or or swim fan come on yeah also swim fan (laughs) But it's it's it is like I was just reading it as that, and I'm like, all right. So where this movie is gonna go? It and I, I, obviously I know who Roman Polanski is. Like I again, I live in the world. It's interesting but, because I think there's a version. Like I am of also, the same generation. I think you and I think of Roman Polanski as oh, that's that like pervo pedophile director, right? Actually, the, the, and then like. And then, like, there's, like, a whole other generation of people older than us that are like, oh, he's a great filmmaker until we found out about this. It's so funny. The first exposure of Roman Polanski I had was actually doing the show Hair in high school because there's a lyric in Manchester, England about, like, idolizing Roman Polanski or something. God. (laughs) Anyways. um, But, yeah, there was... it's also funny that I keep saying I live in the world and yet I really don't know much about Sharon Tate or, well, or, or, or I think Charles Manson. But the thing is, is like it's one of these things that I feel like people just assume everybody knows. Like you don't get taught that in yeah. in high school, and we it never got talked about in films. Like when I was going to film film school, do you want to know? It how never got I... brought up. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a wild story right now. Do you want to know how I know mostly about the Manson family murders? Yes. You might be able to look this up. Maybe there's a DVD exists. Probably not. I've always watched it illegally. I'm not even going to pretend to care about that. Um, so the, 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 like the infamous book about the Manson murders is named Helter Skelter. Yes. And it's because yeah, Charles, it, it is because Manson used the white album specifically, 
of the Beatles. He, like part of his, you know, weirdness was that he was like he insisted that if you played the White Album backwards, Satan was telling you to kill all of these people. Yeah, and I the did Manson, not know that was connected. Yes, to this Manson. was like a yes, this was like a whole but thing that until like if after you, this movie. Yeah, this was like a whole thing that like he he insisted that there was subliminal messaging in Beatles albums, specifically the White Album, telling them to kill people, and that's how I think how the Sharon Tate murder happened was like he would like played Helter Skelter in like other songs from that album backwards, and these people from the Manson family were like, oh, he's telling us to kill people, and we're the devils, we're the devils' children, and all this stuff. The reason I know about this, I don't know how I found this movie, Dale. Maybe I maybe I saw it in like a Newberry comics one day when I was in high school. I don't know. There is. Follow me on this. Yep. There is a poorly soon. made claymation film. Oh my god. Called Helter Skelter. About just I mean I don't know if it's just based on the book or if it's like a whole uh, how much of it, it, it doesn't matter it's it's a poorly made claymation film about Charlie about Charlie Manson like you know getting all of these kids to come and then it ends with the Sharon Tay murder and all of that that's how I know a lot of this but let me start telling you about the people who voiced characters in this thing because I'm also going to tell you it's a musical oh my god <laughs> it is a musical that's how I found it. Now, I, now that I say that, that's how I found it because I was looking for someone's discography and they were like, oh, they're also on this album and it was like the Helter Skelter original soundtrack or something. And I was like, what the fuck is that? And I looked into it. <laughs> this is a movie in which the voice cast consists of... No. Hmm, which of these is more exciting to save till the end? Hmm. It consists of Good Charlotte and Green Day. This is a movie in which Billy Joe Armstrong of Green Day voices Charlie Manson. What? Yeah. Yeah. So this was, I for, I don't know if this was, I, I don't know who produced this or directed it or whatever. It was someone in that scene of the like pop punk emo era of like indie artists. Oh but someone God. came to like, I forget what record company Green Day was with before they signed with um, I think it was Columbus or Columbia or whatever yeah. but that there, there was like some someone who has like their real first album before Dookie um, whoever it was that produced that someone came to them it was like I wrote this musical about the Manson family and we want to make a really shitty claymation movie about it and we want to use your artists as like the singers on it in the voice actors and so they got like green day and good charlotte oh my god so like both the, the brothers from good charlotte are both credited in this and all that so this is how i learned about the manson family murders like overall like i had heard about charlie manson before but this was where i learned about like like the 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 the, the story is structured as uh i don't know if it's pussycat the girl that is like featured with cliff in this movie or if it's a different uh manson girl but Squeaks, like, um, who is Dakota Fanning in this? There's also Dakota Fanning, yes. Who is? Squeaks. But I'm talking about Sweets as well. It might have actually been Sweets. Now that you Squeak. say that, are you looking at the IMDb page? No. Oh. Her name's like Squeaky or something. <laughs> because now that you say Squeaky, I'm starting to think that that's actually who it is because I recognize that I name. I mean, she was based on what I was based on. You know, what my family told me afterwards, she was uh -huh. like the main. Yes. Uh, she was like the mama bear i'm gonna use that term right 
<laughs> and I think that she is one and of the she... first. Um, she's one of the first Manson girls. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm just yeah. looking. Nope, that's. <clears throat> That's not it. I have to like look up. I have to like find the right IMDb. That's anyway, so because Squeak sounds familiar as like the main character of this, where it's like it starts with her being brought in by the Manson family, and then it, it leads up to the Manson family, the the Sharon Tate murder as like the end of that. Anyway, so that's how I learned about it. Yeah, I didn't have that. <laughs> so I thought. So going into this movie, it's so interesting how this movie is like just assumes that you know about the Manson family murders. Yeah. But here's and the Sharon thing. Tate specifically. <clears throat> there was also, I think last year or the year before, the haunting of Sharon Tate starring Hilary Duff, in which the entire idea of the man of the Sharon Tate murder is restructured as what if Sharon Tate and her friends had used a Ouija board that night and the Manson family people were actually demons from hell who killed them. Um oh. Yeah. Uh. So there's that. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, th the thing about this movie is, so yeah, so I thought the ending of the movie was going to be that Margot Robbie and the hippies were like, like gang, teamed together to kill this family or to kill like these people. Rick, Rick and Cliff and yeah. all of them. I, that's oh, sorry. what I thought was going to happen. But then. I'm also just remembering. It, very quickly, it was not called Helter Skelter, the claymation one. It was called Live Freaky, Die Freaky, based oh, on Helter Skelter, the book. Anyway, so, moving. So, uh, until it got to, like, the plane stuff and then they jumped forward, I was like, all right, I'm wrong about this movie. And that's <laughs> fine. But the thing, the good thing about this, and I'm going to bring it up again, is, like, you say that it kind of assumes that you know about the Manson family, you know about Sharon Tate, right? Yep. But it also doesn't... Um, crap, what's the word? What is the word? What is the w Not, oh, God. Isolates. It doesn't isolate people who don't. It's not Civil War, which I'm going to bring that up. It okay. is not Captain no, America I, Civil I, War, I, right? I, 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 get, I get what you mean by that. It Yeah, like, I was still able to go into this movie and enjoy it as just a movie. And then afterwards, I got to learn, oh, all this, all this shit really happened. Okay. Like, and, and it all clicked in my head. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. All right. I see how she was excited to finally see herself on a big screen. I see that it was a, another flip-flop that, that Tarantino does of history. That's freaking cool. Like, it made me, learning about it after I watched the movie made me appreciate it more. But... It doesn't mean that while I was watching it, I still appreciated the hell out of it. I was still so scared that Sharon Tate was going to get killed because she was pregnant. Like, I was so scared. Like, I was nervous. Yeah, like, like, how is this all going to end? Right. Like, you're like, introduced so to the Manson it. family at the ranch yeah. by Cliff. Yeah. And you're, you're introduced. And I'm just like, these are creepy. These to are this concept. People. And even then, that whole conversation that happens in the car where they're like, we're here to kill these people. But mm -hmm. what if we actually kill the other people yeah. like that's just enough to yeah. be like oh okay so these weirdos from the ranch decided they were gonna like they just happened to run into these people yeah i so it was just i don't know i really really enjoyed i was i loved it I, I i loved it and i loved it as like a concept of like how tarantino views this like change in hollywood you know the end of the 60s much like it was a change for a lot of people 
in a lot of different things. The end of the 60s is also this change from the studio system mm. that was happening in Hollywood where like someone would go and like contract with a studio, which just meant that like whatever movie they were going to put out, they were just going to come to you and be like, here's the movie you're doing now. Do it. And it wasn't really until the 70s and later where like directors would come in and be like, I want specific actors or we're going to shoot things on location. We're not going to do things on a back lot or even like an actor could come in and be like, I want to do this movie and this movie only. And also I want to be paid millions of dollars. Instead, that studio system is I work for Paramount and Paramount is putting out eight movies this year. And for four of them, they need me to play a character, whether that's the lead or a bad guy or something else. And like, what I really want to do is this one movie, but they told me I have to do these other three movies in order to do this one movie. Like, that's how that studio system would play out. And so like, that's what Rick Dalton is dealing with. Yeah. And I just find it really, also find it really interesting that he's just got a stuntman on retainer. <laughs> that he just, Cliff is just hangs out with him all day. Yep. And it's like, I want to use Cliff because he does stunts for me. <laughs> I don't know how realistic for that actually so is. But I like yeah. that concept of like, I've got a dude that does stuff around my house, but also can do stunts for me if I'm bored. But he's also my best friend. <laughs> and also he's the closest person to me. Yes. I don't know. Oh man. The th like Cliff's last line in that is I just wanted to do, I just trying to be a good friend. Yeah. <laughs> Where like he leans up to the window. He's like, you're a good friend. He's like, I'm just doing all I can. And yeah. then slides off. But also this is a dude that may have murdered his wife. We don't really know if that's, like, a thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, that whole scene, can we talk about that Green Hornet scene where, like, we don't know or he's like how much of that flashback is real? Kicking Bruce Lee's ass. I think it's all real. I think like, it's is all it, real. Is it, here's the thing. It's is all it real. real. Is it real or is what really happened was he got in a fight with Bruce Lee and got kicked off the set and he's decided that that means he was. No, no, no. I kick think Bruce Lee's ass. No, no, no. Because no. I don't know if he would kick Bruce Lee's ass. I think he could. Look at him. He's a oh. stunt man. I mean, to be I fair, he, he was stoned and killed those hippies. But I don't know. I think, like, because we talked about this, where there was a part of that scene where I wasn't sure how much of that was real or not. And yeah. you split And, like, the more and more I think about it, obviously they were just flashing back to yeah. whenever. But they flash it back in the context of cliff remembering it and so i think that there's a very good i think you can read that scene as cliff has decided that the story is that he just mouthed off to bruce lee and then kicked his ass and then got kicked off set because he was fighting with the lead and not that he got in a fight with bruce lee and he's the one that put the dent in that car because bruce lee kicked his ass and got kicked off the set because he's a fucking idiot <laughs> Like, I don't know. I don't know how much you can trust that flashback because it is framed around how Cliff is remembering it. That's interesting. That's an interesting take. Yeah. I, mean, I, don't, yeah. I didn't get that at all. Because, like, because like I was thinking about that scene, and it's like, because the other thing, the only part of that flashback that happens without Cliff is inside the trailer with Rick and Randy talking about why Randy doesn't want him working. But yeah. he's sitting right outside the trailer. He could have heard that whole conversation. Yeah, exactly. I so think like, he does. there's not any. So there's not any reason for him to not know that. Which means that that entire thing is happening like within his memory. And like, I could see Cliff being the guy who tells that story, and tell like gets drunk at a bar one night and is like, oh, I was kicking Bruce Lee's ass. Bruce Lee's ass. And that's why they didn't want me on set anymore. Yeah. Oh man, that's interesting.
Uh. But yeah, go see these movies, people. We've been talking. This is what happens when we don't record for two weeks. That too. Yeah, it's also been a while. Uh, oh, go go man. hunt down some version of Live Freaky, Die Freaky. I don't know if it's available anywhere, uh, but I don't think Billy Joe Armstrong will be mad. It's a bad movie that I have watched three times in my life, and I oh, might watch again. Oh, my God. It's got oh, – I'm going to go find the, the – where's the actual – where's the Wikipedia page? Because it had the list of songs, which is just, like, beautiful. Um, it's got songs like uh, Charlie with a question mark and Bad Vibrations. <laughs> And Buzzsaw Twist. And (laughs) we watch as you sleep. This is, I cannot, it's it's like, oh man. I I just can't believe how many people are in this movie when you talk about like, uh, the Manson family was weird. It came out in 2006. I just can't believe that either. It's been 13 years since this beautiful, beautiful thing. But it was squeaky. In fact, that is the main, like, the Manson girl. Because it's, like, a whole story about how she was, like, part of a normal family. And she gets, like, co-opted by the the Manson family. And then she gets convinced to kill Sharon Tate. Which is weird because in this movie, Sharon Tate's not, uh, squeaky's not part of the Sharon Tate murder. So I don't know how real either of those is. Um, I also think, like, when I talk about when I think about the, the structure and talking about like looking at things more deeply in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like I think about the fact that like Cl- Cliff does all of the work, <laughs> Cliff how, Cliff and um, Brandy the Pitbull do all of the work, really disabling those three yep. Manson family people, and then one of them runs out to the pool where Rick is just listening to music, and he comes out with the flamethrower from his other movie and roasts her, and now he all of a sudden he is the one that stopped the Manson family murders. Yep. And Cliff doesn't care. Cliff goes off in the ambulance. Is like, I'm just trying to be a good friend, yeah. and salutes him and walks off. And it's like that's the relationship that they have always had, yeah. and that's the relationship between movie stars and stuntmen. Is that the stuntman does all of the work, and the movie star gets all of the credit? I think that's like a very specific thing that Quentin Tarantino is trying to do in this movie. I also cannot believe that he turned Leonardo DiCaprio into a stuttering, stammering, like alcoholic, seriously dummy. Yeah. In the best way. I don't I don't think he hates the character of Rick Dalton. I think Cliff is the hero of this movie, but I think that, like, and Cliff is the sidekick. I think that's how this all worked out. But he's the sidekick that gets all the credit. And I think that he likes Rick as a character. I don't think he's written in a way that you're supposed to, like, hate Rick Dalton or anything. No. But I think it's really interesting that, like, I think Rick's journey in this movie is that he is he has some talent – but he doesn't know how to get out of his own head about it. And he completely benefits from Cliff being around. Yeah. And that's about it. No, I agree. <laughs> I, I, think that's, I think that's the story of those two characters. And I find it really interesting because I like cannot believe that in just between his two appearances in Quentin Tarantino movies, the difference between Rick Dalton and Candy. Yep. I cannot believe the difference between those two characters. I mean, he's a hell of an actor. He really like, is. That's the, that's what it comes you down know, to. Did you know he's only a good actor because he's never been in a Marvel movie, though? Ugh. Fucking hell. You have no idea what I'm referencing, do you? No. Now, someone... There was, like, a story about Leonardo DiCaprio where, like, the headline was something about him being, like, the last great movie star, which I feel like that comes out once every two years about a different actor. Jeez. But someone then retweeted that story and was like, Oh no! the The headline, 
so the headline was that Leonardo DiCaprio is the last great movie star, and part of the reason for that is he's never done like a major genre film. He only ever like he works with Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino and James Cameron and Ridley Scott. Like he only ever works with these great directors, and he only does specific movies and all of that, which is itself bullshit. But then someone retweeted that idea and was like, also decided to add to that discussion with you know only film bros like scorsese and J- and kubrick and quentin tarantino movies and like that started its own bullshit conversation around it so it's like a bullshit headline that then had more bullshit like laid on top of it yeah no that's ridiculous but like i would nothing would be funnier than me to me than to be like turn out turns out that phase five of marvel starts with leonardo dicaprio as someone oh my that's because he's like incredible. Are you because he's me? like fifty and he just is bored and he's yeah. like, I want to do, I want to do a superhero movie now. <laughs> I would be on board with that. That'd be incredible. Uh, jeez. Yeah. Put, uh, put Leonardo DiCaprio in the lead for the live action Incredibles that Disney will put out in ten years to keep the Incredibles copyright. Uh, <laughs> I, I think we're done. I think we're I think done we on that. Like, I think we're I ending think on that. Is right. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. But yeah. So. Go see these movies. Uh, form your own opinion about them. But, you know, it was a movie podcast this week, and I'm very upon happy. A time, yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has, I think, a lot of really interesting things to say. I think that people who still criticize Quentin Tarantino for a lot of things probably are also still – I think they're also still valid. I noted while watching this movie that aside from the Bruce Lee the actor portraying Bruce Lee. This is a very white Quentin Tarantino movie. There's no Sam Jackson in this Tarantino film. So I'm sure that people are going to have things to say about that. And that's all valid too. I, I love weird discussion around Quentin Tarantino films because no one knows how to talk about Quentin Tarantino films. Um, Leo, uh, Leonardo. Lion King. Leo. Leo and Lion. Are you going to give a synopsis of all the movies that we talked no. about? No. Lion King is good, and you should all watch it. And then go see Crawl. And I'm going to ignore Stuber. That's what I was going to say. I was The joke was I was going to talk about those three I mean, movies. I go see... Ignore... St- what? I was going to talk about those three movies and then never mention Stuber again. I That's mean, right. <laughs> the thing about Stuber is go see Stuber if you want. I just did not like it at all. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I think it's time to wrap it up. We've been talking for two hours. Yes. It's great. You can find more <laughs> wonderful discussion like this on our YouTube channel, which is now up to episode 56, as well as all whoop, four whoop. of our hot topics and all of our uh, Say Report Junior presents. Uh, you can find that if you search Say Report Junior, that's Say Report JR on Twitter. Um, you can also find our Twitter. I said Twitter again, didn't I? Yeah, you YouTube. Did. <laughs> You can find Say Report Junior on YouTube and Say Report Junior on Twitter if you search Say Report JR is the sentence trying to come out of my mouth. And you can find us individually. I am at Zerwiski. Shush. (laughs) And I'm at Dale's Brain. You can also find us on Spotify, everybody, because we're still on Spotify. Yes, we are. Uh, but on that, I think it's time to go get ice cream. It is because it's after midnight. It's after I just mi- looked at a fucking clock. Yes. Damn, look at us. It's tomorrow. Happy tomorrow, everybody. Oh, I'm sweating. <laughs> good night, everybody. Have a good night. Take, Take it, it away, away Liz. Thank you for listening to The Say Report with your hosts, Dale Decker and Zach Sarawick. 
Please follow the guys on Twitter and Facebook by searching for The Say Report. And you can always subscribe on your podcast channel so this is delivered straight to you and you can enjoy it every week. With apologies to your mother, we'll see you next time.